Welcome to Films from the Phantom Zone, your podcast about failed and forgotten comic book movies, where we watch a forgotten superhero movie and decide, does this belong in the Phantom Zone to be forgotten for forever, or out and about for everyone to rewatch and remember fondly? My name is Arnaldo, I'm your host, and I'm joined by... Berto. So, Berto, what movie are we watching today? Oblivion, starring Tom Cruise. We are doing part two of our two-part Tom Cruise-a-thon. In the event that maybe Tom Cruise shows up in a in a thing soon, don't want to talk about it just in case people don't know. Like Sable didn't know, we were like, "Oh well, shit!" Now it won't be a surprise for you. But Whoops. <laughs> we were like, "Let's do these two Tom Cruise movies that are actually sort of based on comics." Yeah. So we did Edge of Tomorrow, Live Die Repeat, aka Live Die Repeat. That episode is out actually, uh, and now we're doing Oblivion from 2013 that came out the year prior. Uh, based on a graphic novel written but not published by the very director who made this movie. Which is very interesting. Yeah, <laughs> I was looking into it. So apparently he wrote the novel and, and got like an artist involved. And he had a deal with the comic publisher. But really, he just wanted to for it to be a movie anyway. Oh, like so, the whole time that's just what he... Yeah, and he, I think he was like, well, if it, may, if it makes a comic, then that'd be great too, but... And he used, like, the comic that they had made to pitch it as a movie to a studio. Uh, and then so Disney bought it. And Disney was going to make this movie, but they wanted it to be PG because it's Disney. Uh, Disney's done so many PG-13 movies. Though. I know, but this one is specifically, they're like, PG. And it's... Mo- Odd move. Yeah. Knowing what this movie is now, I'm like, none of this could possibly work in PG. Like, after having seen it. So it was optioned again. It was rewritten uh, and then optioned to Universal instead. Uh, and here we are, PG thirteen. But I like its story credit still goes to the to the director. I don't think it was a huge departure from his original. Seemed very competent in a way that only something that was planned to be this way could be. Yeah, See, it very seemed like unified vision. Yeah, but uh, yeah. So this movie is available on HBO Max currently. Though I don't believe it is a Warner Brothers film, so that is probably only temporarily on HBO Max. Until, like, whatever deal they have. Yeah. Expires. Until it ends up maybe on Peacock, because Universal, NBC Universal. But anyway, we are live on Twitch, by the way. If you want to be a part of the show, we record all these episodes live. Great opportunity to be in the chat, talking to us while we talk about this movie. And then, before we get started, I also wanted to plug our second podcast, Where's Mephisto? <laughs> where is he where we watch whatever's streaming on tv uh and we look for mephisto whether it be a marvel thing a dc thing a star wars thing uh really just a loose construct to watch and talk about stuff right yeah that's only available on our patreon and there's links below if you want to support the show and get a second podcast from us that is how you do that we just did half of peacemaker now we're doing moon Knight before we go back to peacemaker and then obi-wan kenobi Yes. Pretty sure that's the plan right now. So that's a good time. Shorter episodes, a lot less edited, more off the cuff. So there you go. (laughs) Usually how this works is we're going to cover our initial expectations for this movie, uh, a little bit of background information. We're going to summarize the plot, which takes the book of the episode. We're going to analyze the movie to the best of our ability. Then we're going to do Keep or Cancel, where we talk about the people in the movie and we decide if we're going to keep them or cancel them. This week is our part two on Tom Cruise. Last week, we talked about Tom Cruise, the actor. And this week, we're going to talk about Tom Cruise, the person. 
Very different people. As you can imagine, they are very different. Uh, and it probably worked best this way to just separate them. And then maybe by the end we go, all right, who wins here? Like, which Tom Cruise the, are we going to go with? Like, is it all keep or all cancel? Yeah. So. And then we're going to decide if the movie belongs in the Phantom Zone to be forgotten forever or kept and rewatched. So are you ready to get started? I am. <laughs> we sort of already did the background. That's all I had. <laughs> No, it's, it was, yeah, it was based on... <laughs> well, what I already said. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so anyway, initial expectations. Have you seen this movie before? I had not. This is your first time. This is my first time. And I was kind of just expecting generic sci-fi. Mm-hmm. So like going into this, there were actually a bit more uh, twists and turns than I expected in this movie. I'd seen it. I saw this in theaters. And for whatever reason, I liked it, but I convinced myself that I didn't like it. My memory was I did Rotten Tomatoes tell you not to like maybe, it? Maybe, maybe one of those things. Yeah, oh <laughs> uh, yeah, this was like a fifty something on Rotten Tomatoes, and we were we were just re- <laughs> we were just reviewing Morbius, and uh, we were kind of talking about how like Rotten Tomatoes, you know, how that works, and I want to get into that later when we get into the analysis. But uh, yeah, for whatever reason, I'm like, oh yeah, like it it it's not that. Yeah, this movie didn't like it, score very well. It it bit off more than it could chew or something. I don't remember what I thought, but it wasn't that generous, and and then. Watching it today, I was like, I don't remember a lot of this. Actually, the end of the movie, I I didn't remember any of that. I had no idea how this movie was going to end. Oh, shit. So it was an interesting time because, I mean, we picked these two sci-fi Tom Cruise movies because they're both loosely, technically based on a comic of some sort. Right. But putting them back to back, this was a really fun double feature. Yeah, I kind of enjoyed watching both movies. I think I would really recommend this as a double feature. Like, just do these two... Tom Cruise sci-fi movies. They're not related in no, any and way. And they're very different but, from any other Tom Cruise movie. But they're very different. They're very different from each other, that too. That, too. It's like a completely different genre, even though they're yeah. like Yeah, Edge of Tomorrow is a lot more like gritty, like gritty yeah. sci-fi, whereas this is more of like, harkens back to more like traditional, like pristine looking sci-fi. And the yeah. themes are wildly different in each movie as well. I think this one tries to be a little bit more thought-provoking. Like thematically, like that kind of sci-fi, yeah. where the other one's more military. Yeah, which I mean, even that one has some thought-provoking stuff in it as well. Well, that's why I think these are two good movies to watch back to back. This is a good double feature because they're similar enough to be like put together. Like you could box these two up at a set and be like, "Hey, here's two Tom Cruise movies," but they're different enough that you can enjoy watching yeah. them because they're different movies. <laughs> and they each clock in at like either just under two hours or like right at two hours. So they're yeah. They're not super long movies either. No, it's very watchable. Yeah. Anyway, let's get into it. Earth. Before the war, before I was born, Jack Harper recalls a sepia-toned flashback, locking eyes with a woman in the New York City crowd. He knows her, but he doesn't know how. The year is 2077. Jack and his partner, Victoria, have been working together in their glass house atop a tower overlooking a desolate Earth for five years. Their memories wiped. It's been 50 years since the alien invasion destroyed the moon, causing earthquakes and tsunamis. The humans won the war using nuclear weapons but contaminated the Earth. The remaining humans move to a pyramid-shaped space station called the Tet as they start to settle Saturn's moon Titan, where most of humanity now are. Their job is to protect the hydro rigs, giant machines that convert seawater into energy for the new colony, from the scavengers, the last alien remnants. Jack and Vicka are an effective team. She's the communication officer, and he maintains the weaponized drones, and both of them report to Sally, their Tet commander. 
Are you an effective team? <laughs> Are you an effective team? There's a lot of this. First of all, this is so cool. Yeah. Like right off the bat, I, I it, already love this. It's a cool this. like introduction <laughs> to this world. I already love this, and it's it's a lot to take in at once. But it is a sci-fi movie, and like the few sci-fi movies that we have here, like true sci-fi movies, are kind of like split apart. So I'd be interested in kind of looking at them more back to back to see how do these movies kind of get you into the universe. Yeah, because this is like kind of like hard science fiction right now. Yeah, it is a lot of like throw a lot on your plate to get you into this universe. But the last movie, Edge of Tomorrow, did the same exact thing. Yeah. Only that did it through, like, newsreels, like a montage. Mm-hmm. This is a, a narration. Yeah. It's almost like he, like, recorded himself. Right. I think out of the two, I like this better. I think it's a little bit... It's easier to digest. Yeah. yeah. And it's... We talked about this before, about, like, first-person narration and voiceover and, like, is it good? Does it work? And I think it has its places. And this is, you know... Like I said before, crime noir and sci-fi, perfect places, I think, yeah. for Well, what for was that? another movie that did this that we really liked? Was it Kick-Ass that did, like, the narration? Like, the first-person narration? There was a movie... Well, we were talking about Batman. But in Batman... Oh, yeah, it, Batman did it as well. That was the more recent the one. Yeah. yeah. At the very beginning of the very end. Yeah. And I, I was saying I would like for him to do it more throughout. Kick-Ass did it throughout the movie. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah you're right. I think it, it can serve its purpose. And I think here, I think it's cool. Mm-hmm. This kind of situation, I think, is great. I like sci-fi like this that takes place within the story of a bigger story, you know? And I think we were talking about that last week with uh, Edge of Tomorrow, where it's like, yeah, the alien invasion, that already happened. That's not the story. The story <laughs> is, here's this one guy who has to relive this situation over and over again, and how does he do this thing? Yeah. You know, and, and this is like, alien invasion, cool, but that's not what we're talking about. What we're talking about, like... These two random people. This is a story about this technician and his... Yeah, like way after the <laughs> yeah. fact. This is a story about an effective team. An effective team. Uh, one of the things, though, for an effective team, he kind of like ignores her on the comms a lot. He Well, he's the classic Tom Cruise character. You know, he's <laughs> he's very proficient, but he's also kind of like lives life on the edge, a little off the cuff. You know what I yeah. mean? He goes off rail a lot. There's just so many times where you just hear like her he's... speaking to the... Jack. Do you hear me, Jack? <laughs> and he's just ignoring her and just doing what he's doing. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> or talking about football. Yeah. Later on, we're gonna see a bunch of times where he's like, "I'm like, you must have gone off rail a lot." <laughs> like, yeah. But no, he's he's the careless hotshot. Like he's he's doing that plane maneuver, which is so cool. It's the Top Gun <laughs> thing. Yeah, I mean, it's the Tom Cruise character. It's like uh, we said last yeah, week. With, it's just uh, it's what he does. He's proficient in everything he does. Roger Ebert said, yeah. <laughs> the aesthetic is amazing. The props, the setting. And we're going to talk about it, obviously, a lot in uh, when we talk about the analysis. But, like, the cinematography, the visuals here. But I, I really have to, like, give it up to the set design for this movie. From the bubble plane or bubble ship, I think is what it's called. To, like, the glass house. The, the glass house on the tower. It's so hard to, like, make a futuristic technology that can stand up on its own and not look like something that some other sci-fi thing has done. Yeah. So, like, this is a little bit of, like, very smooth, clean edges. is very, you know, it can be kind of Star Wars-y in places. Like, civilizations in Star Wars that are very pretty, like Naboo or the Caminos. Yeah. Like, like the, all the clean surfaces, you could tell that this place has a lot of money. Yeah. Just like that kind of tech. 
I don't like the table computer. I hate it when movies do that because it's just very uncomfortable to look at. Why would you put the monitor down on the table? You have to lean over the whole time. Save space, obviously. (laughs) For it to look cool. It looks cool on screen, but yeah, Yeah. no, like using it would probably be very rough on your neck. Yeah, it's just impractical. Oh, there's also a lot of good like sweeping shots here of just like the landscape and stuff. You see like this destroyed earth and it looks so fucking cool. It looks like oddly beautiful. What I mean, it is beautiful. We'll get to it, but it's Iceland. They just went and filmed Iceland. Iceland's beautiful. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Jack flies to check on two offline drones. He finds the first in the rubble of a football stadium. Short on supplies, he fixes the drone with his chewing gum while describing the last Super Bowl that occurred there, reliving a moment he's only read about. He's startled by a stray dog. The drone powers up and locks onto the dog. Jack scares it off, and drone 166 uncomfortably analyzes Jack before flying off. Jack unloads a collapsical motorcycle and goes for a ride. That is so Tom Cruise. He's like, all right, my job's done. I'm going to get on this fucking bike and be a badass. <laughs> yeah. I like how like he has to like identify himself to the drone. There are so many little things here that tell you the drones are not trustworthy. <laughs> and it's the way that it just kind of like stares at him and, and like weapons go hot. Yeah. And it's like it has to think for a second yeah. before it's like, OK, I'm not going to shoot you. But is that how they all work? Or you think they're a little kind of like busted up every time he, he encounters one? Because it's like you know, he's literally repairing busted up ones. But well, yeah, sure. But I just feel like is his entire job like dealing with drones that could just shoot him if they get I, I confused. There's also the, uh, there's a signal here for, if, if you're a movie person, you've seen a lot of movies, you might recognize the, the drone's eye. They're all very. Like how? How? 2000. Yeah. yeah. From, uh, 2001 to Space Odyssey. 3000. It's how 3000. I think it's how 3000. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who's like a. Like, I'm sorry, I can't let you do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's like, he's an evil. <laughs> Artificial intelligence. Yeah. yeah. Very well, good movie. Wonder if that's going to come back in this movie. Very, uh, creepy movie. In a, like, technology can't be trusted kind of way. Yeah. This was a fun scene with the football stadium, I think. Uh, Describing the Super Bowl. Yeah. (laughs) Well, when he's driving on the motorcycle, that's when you really get all the scenery for the first time. And then the this uh, little montage ends with him sitting on top of, like, a mountain, like a cliff. And he has a little plant that he's kind of taking care of. He found and he's watering it. Yeah. That was cool. Jack searches for the second drone in a hole underground that leads him into the New York Public Library, but is being watched by someone else. He falls into a booby trap and is surrounded by scavengers. He tries to zip back up, but his cable snaps, and he's dropped among the scavengers. Just then, drone 166 flies in and shoots all the scavengers and takes aim at Jack again. It recognizes him once again and flies away. Jack recovers a book. There is a book. This is where we meet the scavengers. The quote-unquote the, the aliens. Sca- the, the scavs. Scavs. As he calls them. Their design is a little bit like uh, Predators. A little. A little bit. I feel like that's the... Like inspired by yeah. it. Yeah. And a big criticism of this movie is that like it borrows too much from other better sci-fi movies. What doesn't do that? Exactly. Though? All of those other movies in turn borrowed stuff from other things. Yeah. And specifically Star Wars, Matrix... Probably 2001. I haven't thought about it that hard, but (laughs) so I have absolutely no problem that they look like predators because, well, first of all, they're different than predators, as we're going to find out later in this movie. Right. But it's a good look. It's interesting. Mm -hmm. And they're creepy and their eyes light up. And a lot of times they're like running around scurrying about like scavengers. Like, yeah, they're very aptly named. (laughs) (laughs) 
And again, we get the drone like pointing at Jack, and Jack has to identify himself as like the technician. Yeah, and that's the same drone. Also, yeah. it's not the one he was trying to fix. The second drone. That's the first one that came back. Yeah, because it's numbered. So it's the same motherfucker. One six six is kind of a bitch in this movie. <laughs> so there's a there's a kind of concept in film called gaze. You're trying to tell the viewer that someone is being watched, mm-hmm. right? And it's it's very interesting how this works because like if the camera is in certain places, you as a viewer subconsciously feels like that's just the camera. Like there's nobody actually there. These characters by themselves. Yeah. We are the viewer. We're the camera. We just see them, right? Yep. And then you put the camera in a random place and suddenly- you... Usually like where it looks like it's hiding behind something or- yeah. yeah. And suddenly you're like, I'm now looking at the same character, but from the perspective of somebody watching them. Yep. Like, this guy's being watched now. There's a second character in this environment somewhere, yep. right? This movie does that. So it's like a, like a voyeurism type thing. <laughs> yes, voyeurism. Yeah. Like, you can tell, like... I think voyeurism is what I meant, not gaze. Gaze is a different thing. Gaze is uh, making it male or female perspective. Anyway, let's continue. Yeah, isn't gaze, like, staring at something? Yeah, 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 yeah. Voyeurism is the concept of what we're doing, which is... Watching without knowledge of the other person. Yes. Yeah. And in this one, there, there's a shot from the, um, the tunnels. And then the camera turns around. Like, it goes from a different perspective, and then a dog comes out. You're supposed to be like, wait, was there someone watching, or was that just the dog? Right. Later on, we, f- we find out, no, people have been watching them this entire time. Yep. And every time, we get a lot of those kind of voyeuristic shots. They've been in the darkness. They yeah. are the darkness. They're the shadows. Batman. Batman. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that's just super well done, because... Later in the movie, I had to think back to how many times were these other characters, this other character watching Jack. I think we're and told later in the movie just how often. He spells it out a lot more, but like it's it's in like at the end of every like big scene, basically. Yeah. This little action bit in the library was really good, too, I thought. Oh, the fear on his face when his little cable snapped, yeah. like that looked convincing. And it's Tom Cruise. He's doing all his own stunts, obviously. So, yeah, they probably actually dropped him off the <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Dropped him off a roof. I watched the behind the scenes. I'm going to link it below because I'm going to refer to it a lot. A lot of fun. It's like 24 minutes long. And uh, yeah, they dragged his ass. That was a real <laughs> stunt. Uh, they put like a, a cardboard thing behind him, like some sort of like sled type, you know, and then they, mm-hmm. they literally dragged him and, and did all that. I wonder if Tom Cruise like has a lot of fun doing all these crazy stunts. He must. Yeah, he's a psychopath. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so many of these stunts tell me like, no, he this was his idea. Like, this wasn't in the he script. Wa- he wanted it to be more rough. Yeah. <laughs> no, do it again. It really beat me up this time. <laughs> when they went up to do that cliff scene, he wanted to stay because they, they shot done pretty quickly. And then he was like, can I stay for longer? <laughs> he just wanted to, like, stay and, like, take in the scenery. I'm like, I would, too, honestly. I'm not going to blame him for that. But it is very Tom Cruiseian of him, you know? It's like, oh, I just want to stay up on this, this cliff side. <laughs> it's 500 feet <laughs> to my death. One misstep and I'm gone. It's yeah. exciting. It's exciting. <laughs> Back at the glass house, Jack reads the book but keeps it hidden from Vicka. He presents her with a flower he potted, which she immediately tosses off the balcony, careful of the potential toxins. This is a little rude. It's a little bit, yeah. <laughs> I mean, and we're going to find out, but she's been very brainwashed about the protocols and, like, keeping clean and stuff. And yeah. also, they're almost done with their tour. They're going to go back soon. Uh <laughs> Jack questions her what the scav's motivations could be, thinking they were trying to catch him, not kill him. But she evades the question by seducing him into joining her in the pool naked. Nice. Nice. 
I was going to say, is this the first movie we've seen with actual nudity in it? Kind of. But it's very implied and tastefully hidden also. It's like everything, like, it's all cast in shadow. Yeah. I got the impression here she was up to no good. I'm like, I don't know, like, how she's... She keeps changing the subject about Brie Larson. Oh, God. (laughs) Yeah, she's just, I don't know, I don't like her. I love that pool, though. I love this house. Does the pool go across the entire length of the house? No, 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 it's just off one of the sides. Okay. But it's completely like glass, so like underneath you, you, you can just see, see everything, which is kind of scary. Yeah, cuz they're they're way above. Yeah. They're like in the clouds. But it's cool. It's very cool looking. Yeah. Very futuristic. Very like Corn's Tower in uh, Dragon Ball. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, no, she's very much kind of like like he's like, "Hey, I found this thing that sheds doubt into her entire purpose of being here." She's like, Come fuck me. Because <laughs> we can't have that. We can't We can't do any of that. I do think it's because she just wanted to, like, go home, though. I think she's very in denial. She's like, no, like... She's anything, in denial. She's worried. She's uncomfortable of anything out of the ordinary, I yeah, think. Because protocol is very important to her. Yeah. Obviously, I was going to say these really cool visuals here, but, like, there are amazing visuals throughout this movie. I think this is... It's the highlight of this film is the cinematography. Everything is just... So well shot. It's oh, ridiculous. The, wh- whoever did this has a very good eye. Uh, I, I can tell you, but we'll look <laughs> it up later. But yeah, no, because it is obvious that like, at least up until now, that, uh, they, you know, they've, they've always thought the scavs would try to kill them. Right. But, but when they, they set like, a trap for him. Like, it wasn't a trap to kill him. It was a trap to like, get him. <laughs> they clearly have some motivation. Yeah. The next morning, they're awoken by a giant explosion. One of the hydro pumps has been destroyed. Theorizing that the scavs have weaponized the stolen fuel cells from broken drones, Jack visits the remains of the Empire State Building, most of the city <laughs> now buried. There he tracks a homing beacon and shuts it down. He has flashbacks of his dream there. Mission completed, Jack flies to a secret cabin he's constructed, full of trinkets he's recovered throughout his time on Earth. Hey guys, it's time for a quick break and we will be back in a flash. Did you know that you can change what you taste by what you hear? How can you use sound to make a deeper connection with your clients? Can we be healed with sound? Sound influences people in their buying decisions and their daily lives. In the podcast audio branding, I explore all of this, both with my own observations as a voice actor of over 15 years and by interviewing knowledgeable professionals in the field of advertising, marketing, music, and science. To have a listen for yourself, visit audiobrandingpodcast.com. So he's like feeling nostalgic and he doesn't know why. I feel like if I were him, I would I would feel the same. Like I'd be at least very interested in all these like little like the history of like yeah. this planet. Yeah. Also because like they're the house that they've been put in is so clean and void of character. Like I think it looks cool, but I would never live in a place like that. No, it'd probably drive you crazy after a week. Yeah. Like it looks like a futuristic spaceship, you know, but it's their house. Yeah. But yeah, this is what I was saying. Like, how much free time does he have that he's built this whole... <laughs> he's built this fucking cabin. I guess he has a lot of free time. Like, with a basketball court and everything. Yeah. <laughs> he's got a ton of records, like... So many books. He's a little bobblehead. Yeah, he Who like... Who is that? Is that... I thought that was Elvis. I. It kind of looked like him, but he I... He keeps calling him Bob. I don't know. I kind of want to look up who that bobblehead is. Because it was like a man looked like he was like wearing silver and he had a guitar. Yeah. Maybe it's not Elvis. I don't it, know. It looked like Elvis. 
Uh, something else I thought was interesting is that he drinks the water from the lake or like from a spring that goes into the flows into the lake. Yeah. Isn't everything supposed to be like toxic? Yeah. But he clearly knows that it's not because he's drinking the fucking water because earlier in the movie, we see him drinking water from like a very carefully sealed pouch. It almost looks like space food, you know? Yeah. Oh, it's a 1950s Elvis Presley. Okay. Bobblehead. Why is he called Bob? Is it because it's a bobblehead? Maybe. Oh. He probably doesn't know who Elvis is. Well, that that's the other thing. I thought maybe he doesn't know who Elvis is. I mean, he hasn't found that much information. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. I love the look of this movie, and I, and I love the idea that so many nukes went off, plus earthquakes, that it shifted so much earth that all of New York City is buried. Yeah. Up until, like, the top of skyscrapers are now completely underground. Yeah, it's all, like, sand. Yeah, yeah, it's that's just so crazy cool. And there are these canyons in this film that the walls of the canyons are buildings. Yep. That just kind of held up all the dirt. And the, he walks up to the, like the observatory deck of the Empire State Building like on foot. Yeah. He just parks his bike or parks his, uh, his ship right outside. Yeah, it's like at ground level. Yeah. That's so cool. It took me a minute to like recognize where he was. I'm like, oh, he's at, he's at the Empire State Building. <laughs> I mean, that's why he's having those flashbacks there also. Jack is awoken from his nap by an unidentified capsule entering orbit. It lands at the coordinates where the signal sent earlier. Tet commands Jack to stand down and not investigate, claiming they have sent new drones instead. Jack refuses the orders from both Sally and Vika and lands at the crash site. He finds five capsules with humans inside. Drone 166 arrives and starts shooting the survivor capsules, killing them. Jack stops the drone from destroying the last one, a female he recognizes from his dream. A scav watches him again. So this is where the movie starts to, like, take a turn. <laughs> this is like, yeah, this is a big uh, act two. Yeah, because you're like, why is the drone killing the hu- It's identifying the humans and killing them. And then immediately killing them. Yeah. But again, it's like, like I mean, the- there was some foreshadowing to this. You, right. That the drones were untrustworthy. But, but it still won't shoot Jack when Jack stands in front of the target right i mean there's still machines. you can see it's very conflicted though because it's like yeah you see it's targeting going from like terminate to like whatever the other word was i don't know the opposite of terminating <laughs> someone uh no but fuck 166 this this he's a piece of shit this uh this drone he kills a lot of uh nasa yeah. astronauts <laughs> yeah so what's interesting is that uh the technology looks different because these capsules are more like they just they look older, like they're rough around the edges. They're right. not the sleek kind of bubble, well, and they have like just the NASA logo on it. Oh yeah, exactly. <laughs> so but this is like old world Earth stuff. Yeah, and he yeah. says as much. He's like, "This is from before the war." It's a smart idea to kind of like differentiate technology this way yes. because the new stuff has a very recognizable aesthetic. It's all. I mean, Tet is like this giant pyramid in the sky that you can see, and that's super cool. I like watching it, like, rise and set with the sun. Yeah. It's almost like it took the place of the moon. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Jack brings the capsule to their home to the astonishment of Vika, who is concerned about protocol and the possible contamination. (laughs) They awaken the survivor and debate reporting this to Tet, but Jack knows that their own drone murdered the other survivors. The woman named Julia is shocked to learn that she's been asleep for at least 60 years. Jack recaps to her the war on Earth, and what's happened since she's been in hibernation. Julia scoffs at this in denial. 
Jack later questions Vika if she has any memories before their mandatory memory wipe. A scav looks up at their tower. So this is where I, when I was typing this out is when I started noticing that every, all these scenes are like, kind of like capped off with the scav watching them. Yeah. Like I sort of said earlier. It's like, this has got to be the same person. <laughs> Here's something that really kind of bothered me. Why the fuck are Vika's eyes so dilated? Did you notice that? No. Her eyes are very dilated. Like, you know when you get your eyes dilated? Yeah. And uh, the pupils get really big? Mm-hmm. Usually it's so you can see in the dark. Her eyes are like that the whole movie. Huh. I thought it was like a... So I started trusting her a lot less. Is that just what she looks less. like? Maybe. <laughs> but like, eyes are, don't normally do that. And it was a very well-lit environment. So I was like, why is this like this? Like, I thought this was some sort of signal not to trust her again. Right. Like, this was done in post, you know? But it could just be her. Maybe she just has big irises pupils pupils yeah i don't yeah. know pupils. no it's weird i mean i wouldn't be surprised if it was an intentional thing to make me sow the seeds of distrust when really like I mean, and someone's eyes being dilated spoiler, a sign like of there's like... nothing she's not bad she's not a bad character <laughs> but there i mean at this point in the movie i think you're intended to be guessing a lot but like okay what this is fucking weird you know, well, yeah, there this, are a lot of weird this, things going this on. This is where things start getting very like strange and you're you're a little confused, but you're supposed to be. Yeah. yeah. Well, even I mean, earlier in the movie, like in the beginning of the movie, it's supposed to paint this picture of like, this is a very effective relationship. They're a this very whole setting is very team. effective. But that doesn't that doesn't tell you anything like, OK, but do you guys like this? Do they you also, like they each also other? use the word effective a lot. Right. <laughs> but like, do you guys like each other? Do you have feelings for each other? Are you a couple? They fuck. Yeah. OK. He brought but... her a flower <laughs> and she threw it off the building. But how much of that is like, well, this is the only fucking human I know. And also, <laughs> that's I've been, true. I've been told that we're married or we're at least partners. They're partners. <laughs> they're, but like they're just an effective team. That's all. <laughs> it's so I think. It's intentionally supposed to make you uneasy. Right. It's almost, it's almost, it feels like Orwellian. Maybe. A little bit, like, just like the undertones that are there. It's very, I think it's very well done. Like, the uneasiness of this so far. Yes. Oh, uh, and this girl, uh, Julia, is played by Olga. Taskmaster. Taskmaster, yes. Uh, She's been a couple other things, but um, she's good. (laughs) She's a very good actor. She's a good actor. I, it made me after watching this. I was like, "Oh, I kind of wish Taskmaster had more to do now." <laughs> yeah, because she she has she has acting chops. Yeah, and she didn't use like any of it in no, Black Widow. No, and obviously Taskmaster was just like a stunt person the whole time. And yeah, she the, was, like they just showed her face like twice. Yeah, I mean, I hope it's I unfortunate. hope we see her again. Yeah. honestly, but I also felt like this was an interesting and effective effective <laughs> way to uh, just kind of recap things if you kind of forgot from the beginning of the movie because sometimes if you tell someone something too much of a story they won't take it all in you know right so give them like bits and pieces yeah and like reiterate don't make it sound like you're reiterating it but just you know repeat it a little bit early the next morning jack takes julia back to her ship's wreckage against the wishes of vika who can't protect him from tet if probed there julia finds their flight data recorder they are ambushed by scavs who take them back to their lair. Vika downplays the situation to Sally, the Tet Command, and requests a drone to sweep the area. Yeah, this becomes a little bit of a problem, though. <laughs> what the like? Because the, yeah, the drone sweeping the area. 
Oh yeah, <laughs> but it's like from Vicka's perspective, what's what's she gonna do? She's, she's like, like, fuck, I gotta like make sure. Yeah, she's like, Jack's hey, no big, okay. No big deal. I mean, she saw them get captured. No, but she was like, hey, it's not a big deal. His comms just went off. Can you so, just sweep the area and make sure everything's yeah, all right? Just to play it safe. <laughs> and honestly, like it's that's a lot better than her saying like, hey, they're missing. Yeah. He's missing. Blow everything up. <laughs> Are you still an effective team? Are you still an effective team? I love that that's like Sally's most pressing concern. And she's like, yeah, of course we are. (laughs) Jack is restrained as a prisoner when the unmistakable voice of Morgan Freeman is heard from the darkness. (laughs) I perked up. I was like, oh, he's in this movie. (laughs) I was like, oh, of course he is. (laughs) (laughs) I forgot he was in this. (laughs) Um, He questions Jack if he's ever actually met a scav. The lights turn on, and Jack is surrounded by an entire community of humans, revealing that they're not alien. Malcolm, that's Morgan Freeman's character, uh, Malcolm displays their old stealth armor to hide from the drones and voice modulators, which are not recognizable either. He shows Jack their nuclear bomb they've built and a drone they've acquired. They need Jack to reprogram the drone to carry the nuke into the tet and destroy it to end the war. And this is also where we learn that uh, the drones are programmed to target humans. And he, that, he said that's why that they wear it to confuse them. Oh, oh okay. Which I, is kind of a big, big little twist there. Yeah, well, I mean, the big twist here is that the scavs are not aliens. Yeah. and Well, the reason why they pretend to be aliens is to trick the... Okay, yeah. Trick the drones. Yeah. Is that what you think why they wear feathers? Probably. Because they have, like, feathers all around there. Yeah, they try to make themselves look, like, not human. Malcolm's mask is very much a predator, but the other ones are almost like sand people. Yeah. They've got like weird kind of uh like scopes and stuff wrapped in cloth. They look very um scavenged. Yeah. <laughs> well now that all makes sense when you think about it. Like, yeah. Specifically trying to hide their faces. I, mean, I guess they are scavengers, but like they're not aliens. Right. <laughs> I mean for you, like the audience, it's you're probably more inclined to believe that like these are the good guys. Uh, they're like the rebel alliance yeah Yeah. but it's easy to believe why jack has doubts yeah even if they're not yeah he's confused because they're still the bad guys. and now they're telling him to blow up tet and he's like no there's people there like are you fucking kidding me yeah well right that's what he says there's people he's like i need more information yeah i'm not operating off of like faith alone like sorry i love that for a large part of this movie morgan freeman's kind of the bad guy i mean they're the way that they're acting they're captors you know, like, they threaten them, they've got guns pointed to them, yeah. they're prisoners. Morgan Freeman's, like, not being the good guy at all, which is not really a, <laughs> you know, a type of character you see him do very much, right. you know? So I, I thought that was pretty cool. It's like last week we said, like, we've never seen Tom Cruise be a bad guy, and maybe that's overdue. Yeah. Also, during the scene, uh, the drone that's sweeping the area ends up attacking this location. Yeah, they find him. Yeah, 100%. They find them, and then um, I think the drone takes out a couple people, but then... Uh, I think they all survived. I think one guy gets, like, uh, disintegrated. They, well, they clearly... They know, more or less, how to take the drones down at this point. I mean, Yeah, they know, like, where to shoot it and stuff, yeah. I mean, they've successfully and, taken and, a few and of them you, down, you, yeah. lo- you learn here that, you know, they know how to fight them. They're just... They are a big threat, though. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, for like, sure. Like, they're, they're tough to take down. Yeah. The sounds that they make are really scary. <laughs> Like scary robot sounds. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, again, you're not supposed to. They're not cuddly cute. Like you're not supposed to trust them at all. No, they're just they're floating balls with machine guns on them. Oh like, yeah. 
The scavengers let Jack and Julia go on the bike that they stole earlier and tell them to go past the radiation zone for answers. I didn't mention, but they're kind of limited to a small quadrant and basically like like a small area. And basically they're told past that the radiation levels are too dangerous. So that's why they have to stay there and protect just those hydra cells. And Morgan Freeman seems to be implying that that's bullshit. Right. (laughs) But Jack knows, like we said earlier, like he knows that his area is not radiation e at all. Like, right? Yeah. Like, he's drinking the water. He's breathing the air. He's he, hanging out. He keeps telling um Vicka, he's like, "You should come down and like see stuff with me. Like, it's perfectly safe." And, and she's, she's like, like, "Nope, no, <laughs> absolutely not. That's against protocol. I will fuck you though, because <laughs> that's part of the protocol. That's the protocol. They're allowed. Oh, we are an effective it. team. And to be effective, you got to fuck." <laughs> Dumb. So yeah, anyway, uh, radiation zone. Jack returns to the Empire State Building to send an SOS to Vika, who sends his bubble ship their way. Julia reveals to Jack their original mission was to research Titan, but upon Tet's arrival, were sent to investigate it. She tells him that he and Vika must have been awoken first and taken. Shocked, he demands to know who she is, to which she answers, his wife. Suddenly, he remembers that they were there together atop the Empire State Building when he proposed. They kiss, and just then, his plane arrives, and Vika sees them embrace and sheds a tear. Yikes. Fucking drama. (laughs) (laughs) I like this. (laughs) (laughs) That was poor timing. I don't know how you feel about this little love triangle, but I I quite liked it a lot. Well, it ends up making sense, so I I like it. Well, you know, and it's also very well done. Like, it's not a lot of times you're like... Oh, this is a love triangle and whatever, but like the way it's written is very well done. Because I think he remembers his wife a little too quickly. Like he's like, oh, all the memories are back now. <laughs> well, she told him everything at that point. True, but he okay. First of all, well, he was he was sort of piecing it together right there. He had been piecing it together throughout because he had remembered this girl. He starts the movie saying like, you know, I I know her, but I don't know how. And then he ends up finding a real human who looks just like her. Yeah, that's true. Under the assumption that there are no more humans on this planet. Yeah, they're all at Tet. They're on Tet or on Titan. So, and earlier there was a dinner scene and tensions were kind of high then too. Yeah. And and uh, Vic is very much kind of like grabbing his hand, kind of like, I'm claiming my territory. This is my man. <laughs> <laughs> but even earlier, like, again, the way that the movie has displayed this couple, again, they only, they're effective. Are they passionate? Are they in love? Yeah, because that don't, stuff is important. We don't get any of that. No. Like, if anything, you, you do get a little bit more from Vika. Yeah, and there's something, like, weirdly hollow between them. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So when he finally finds the woman that he literally dreams about, like, yeah, you kind of can't blame him for She is literally in his dreams. <laughs> yeah. You can't blame him for being like, this is, there's passion here, probably. <laughs> like, <laughs> There's uh, probably passion. Also, I mean, it is kind of a coincidence. That he they end up in the exact spot where he proposed. And that's when she's like, hey, like, look at where we are. Like, this is the spot. Yeah. And then he, he has a full flashback of like. And he's like, oh, my God, you're right. Yeah. They met their present day like today. Or it's probably slightly. Different. He wanted to take her to the top of the world. Yeah. So they went to the top of the Empire State Building. To that little stupid little quarter binocular thing. What are those called? I was going to ask, ask you what those are called. Fuck. They're called. Uh viewfinders i don't know i thought viewfinders were like the stupid yeah. little things that you put like a film thing in no those are view masters view masters yeah maybe it is a viewfinder 
don't know. I'm not looking it up. (laughs) (laughs) This is a dumb thing to talk about. Isn't a viewfinder part of a camera? Yeah, I think it's the part you just look through. Yeah, I don't think that's what that thing's called. They're just big binocular things. (laughs) That you pay a quarter to look through for like 30 seconds. They always give me so much anxiety. I'm like, oh, they're going to stop now. (laughs) Like, I have to look at everything. It it, it, like clicks when it stops. It's like... (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Vicar reports them to Sally. Okay, and then the last thing, I really like how she's... The tears on her eyes. Like, like she's hurt. I buy that. Yeah. Yeah. Because we'll get to it, because there's... If you listen to this, you probably listen. You already watched the movie, so you know all the spoilers. But we are going through the plot, you know, beat by beat. But like the original, what's her face, Vicka? Mm-hmm. Like you could tell, like she actually was probably in love with Jack. Probably, she. Um. So those feelings just kind of continue in yeah in them now. But the original Vicka couldn't have Jack, and she probably knew that. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> she, she just cared about him was all. Uh, Vicka reports them to Sally. When asked if they are an effective team, she says no for the first time. This unlocks an initiative, which awakens a drone from within the house. Jack tries to explain to Vicka the truth, but she refuses to believe him. The drone kills Vicka. Sally tries to convince Jack to bring Julia to them on Tet, but they escape instead. Hunted by drones, Jack lures them into a canyon where he destroys two, but the last one shoots them down into the radiation zone. So this part was crazy. This is when it picked up for you because I was I like I enjoyed the movie throughout, but no, it uh, it, it was slow. It picked up for me when um the pods were getting shot and oh, you're yeah. wondering why the hell that's happening. Because before that, I'm like, eh, it's starting off like it's very cool, but it's also like a bit slow moving and it's intentional. Yeah, like it's like a slow burn that builds. It builds up and it pays off. Oh yeah, for sure. But like where it picked up for me was. Where I perked up was when the drone started killing all the humans. But, like, when this happened, I was like, oh, this is great. What the fuck? Yeah, this is great stuff. (laughs) Earlier in the movie, there's a drone that's, like, perpetually broken in their house. And he's constantly kind of tinkering with it. But actually, secretly, it works just fine. (laughs) And it's there as a contingency for them. Yeah, and it, oh, my God, obliterates her. Oh, my God. And he's covered in her ashes. Why did he kill her first? She if she's there. the one that reported it. Ah, she's standing there first. Because uh, I guess the idea would be like just eliminate them both. Yeah. If they're not effective anymore. Yeah. I think that's what they're, you know, replace them with other clones. Oh, yeah. by the next spoiler. Ah! Clones. <laughs> <laughs> the chase with the fuck, with the drones and the plane. Amazing stuff. He asks like, Julia if she's okay. She's like, no. No. <laughs> <laughs> and then later she's like are we gonna die and he's like no actually maybe <laughs> as they're going down maybe <laughs> so uh behind the scenes stuff they put the pod cockpit on a gimbal okay uh, and the whole thing moved 360 and while well, they filmed this so oh, she she was actually probably feeling sick yes <laughs> like for real so uh there's a part where tom cruise in the interview is like he's like oh she wasn't acting like <laughs> she was scared like, because he, you know, obviously he's like a thrill seeker, but she was not so much. She's like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah, it's like being put on like a really scary roller coaster and then putting a camera on you. Yeah. So. It's like, oh, no, she was scared. It was great. I totally buy that. That wasn't even scripted. She's like, are you okay? She's like, no. <laughs> um, again, great action scene. I love the whole canyon run. It all looks incredible, too. Like, the CGI is very good especially for 2013 no all this holds up very very well yeah very exciting i thought 
And then, yeah, he gets shot down there. Now they're in the fucking radiation zone. So it just kind of like keeps on upping the stakes a little oh, no, bit. the radiation zone. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> Jack goes to find the down drone to destroy it, but witnesses another bubble ship exactly like his land and a technician trying to fix it. Jack runs to stop him, but is shocked to find the technician is another Jack, an identical clone. They scuffle. Julia distracts the new Jack and Jack incapacitates him. They deactivate the drone, but Julia has been accidentally shot. Jack steals a new bubble ship, which takes him to another tower where there's also a second Vicka. He steals a med pack to treat Julia. So both Jacks look very scared and confused here. This is kind of a trope here where you've got the, the two, you know, a clone and a, an original and you got the third party going like, I don't know who's the real one. <laughs> like they didn't go that far into no, it, but... Our Jack that we're following is clearly the one that's all bloodied and messed up. Well, yeah, he has a cut to differentiate yeah. himself, yeah. They're also numbered, and I'm starting to think, like, you should have figured something up, something was up when you have your when technician techni- 49. Yeah, he's technician number 49. This one was, what, 50, 52. 52. I'm like, because were you told that this is the only zone? Or are there other zones that there you, are other technicians in, see. and you just don't, they're not nearby you, like, I don't, and obviously they're not clones, is what he would be under the yeah assumption. It's, it's weird but anyway this whole thing is just weird in the I, best way i love that <laughs> this movie keeps on upping the stakes every scene yeah. there's another reveal and another twist and it doesn't get old it's just the way it kind of uh you know gives you the information and it kind of it, uh, it kind of paces it out i really like that because the first one is like hey something might be up here and then it's like Oh, actually, the scavengers are humans. Oh, maybe we've got this whole situation backwards. Are we the bad guys? Yeah. Oh, actually, fuck. Like, Tet's the bad guys. He knows Julia. That's his wife. Like, they were all on the same team together, and he doesn't remember her. They just killed my other wife. Yeah. And then it's like, oh, my God, there's clones? (laughs) Like, it really keeps on upping the ante in in a good way, And poor Jack just isn't catching a break. No! (laughs) Oh, we're going to the radiation zone now? Which actually doesn't seem like it's irradiated no it's just to keep them from crossing borders it was probably maybe four nine was told it was a radiation zone but five two that was like just his regular zone yeah five two was probably told that manhattan was a radiation zone yeah <laughs> huh. so because four nine he gets a he gets a new york metro he gets a tri-state area yeah. he's good <laughs> and five, five two was just like just doing a routine like oh hey there's a drone down let me go yeah let me go do my job I love that when he goes to... Yeah, 5-2's on a whole different movie. (laughs) (laughs) He's starring in his own film, the the more boring one. Oh, way more boring. (laughs) Uh, But with a happy ending. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) When uh, he goes to 5-2's tower, it's like a whole different landscape. You know, and I don't know. It's hard to tell, like, how far apart these places are. He could be all the way up in, like, Maine, for all we know. Probably not. But... I love this idea that like Earth is so far gone that like the ecosystems are so different. Like, yeah, now he's in like a snowy mountainside and he only he was just in New York and he only flew for like maybe 10 minutes. (laughs) I mean, who knows how long he was flying for? But yeah, maybe, maybe, (laughs) you know. And the other thing was, uh, I don't know if you mentioned it, but when um, Julia distracted them. Five two started getting memories of Julia as well when he saw her. Yeah, because he sees Julia and he's wait. He, do we see him having memories? He just he sees Julia and he's like, wait a second. I don't remember if we see like another flash to like the Empire State Building or not. We might. Yeah. I mean, they're both clones. Like, yeah, they have the same memories. They have the same 
pretty much everything. They even have the same vicar. <laughs> yeah. Well, not I the like same that, vicar, but... You know, Jack, upon meeting the second vicar, tries to save her, too. Yeah, he's like, come with me to the surface. And she's like, I'm not talking about this again. Yeah. He's <laughs> like, okay, cool. You're exactly the same. You know, but I, I right after his vicar had died, like, yeah, he's not in love with her, but like he does care for her. Yeah. And he's like, you know, maybe I can save this one. He's like, yeah, you should come with me. Yeah, she's fuck 5-2. Like, Let's go right now. You don't need 5-2. You got 4-9. <laughs> Did she not notice that he no. was I, wearing a 4-9? No. I, I thought he was going to take his jacket, but he's just like, oh, fuck it. I'm just gonna fuck go. it. <laughs> I'm going to go real fast. She won't ever notice. I guess she didn't. And he identified himself to the drone as 5-2, and the drone was like, all right. Right, right. Because that's a different drone. Which I guess. a different section. <laughs> I guess biologically, he's the same person. So yeah, the drone doesn't know the difference. Yeah. Uh, ex- other except if he had introduced himself as the wrong Jack, then it would have shot the shit. It's out like of him. no, fuck you. <laughs> get another clone in here. <laughs> I get like I get for dramatic purposes. You got uh, shooting Julia because I thought I honestly didn't remember if she lives or dies, but um, I just well the odds that one yeah. misfire did that yeah. yeah from so far away because they were like nowhere near her. Yeah, that that's my part where I was like, oh really. Really, she got shot. She got shot. What an idiot. (laughs) Jack and Julia take refuge at Jack's hidden cabin. There, he accepts that he is also a clone of the original Jack. But Julia does not mind and reminds him that he once promised her a house on a lake to grow old together. They totally do it. And the next morning, they leave to help the scavs. There is a lot here in this movie about, like, what does it mean to be a clone? And, like, who has the soul... But also, like, that's never directly mentioned in the movie either. Yeah, it is here in, in another scene. He never says anything about, like, I'm not the original, though. Blah, blah, blah. He says it literally in this scene. He goes, I does, know I'm not the original. Does he say it? Yeah, he, he oh, goes, shit. I know I'm not the original. Because after he me- he meets the his clone, he's like, this guy's in the same exact situation well, the, as I am. And the original's probably long dead by well, now. Well, he knows that. Like, Julia was frozen. Yeah. Right? Like, she was put in cryo-freeze. And he wasn't like he he's been alive for as long as he knows, so he he, he gets it. He knows he's a clone. Yeah, but well, also he's number forty nine. Yeah, <laughs> but she's saying like, but you told me one day like the real Jack said you would build me a house, and here you are building me a lake house, and you didn't even know what you were doing. Like so, so he still has something sticks. All of his he's still Jack. Yeah. It's so, like something sticks there, you know, uh, and then later in the movie, it all comes together because he says it's all about the love you have for other people and loving each other. That's what gives you a soul. Yeah. Like, that's what separates you from oh, just okay. a clone. But... And Morgan Freeman even says like. He says something like that too. Yeah. Yeah. And he's like, well, he's like, I knew like you were still in there mm-hmm. when I saw you pick up that book. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, they also just can't stay there because obviously Tess was going to put another Jack there and he'll eventually find them. Uh, and the drones will eventually find them, probably. Yeah. But. Yeah, because Jack will be like, oh, I'm just going to go build a cabin over here. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I wonder if they're all building cabins. <laughs> just in different areas. Yeah. Uh, Malcolm Beach tells, and this is uh, Morgan Freeman. Malcolm Beach tells his story. He was in the army for only a year when the Tet arrived and sent drop ships with thousands of Jack Harper clones. No memories, no souls, just programmed to kill. After the war was won by the machine, they built drones and made Jack clones as drone repair technicians as it conquered the planet and robbed it of its resources. 
Malcolm had watched many clones of Jack before realizing that this one was different when he picked up the book and then later saved Julia. Meanwhile, Jack programs a drone to carry the nuke. So Jack was the invading alien force that wiped out the planet. Yeah. Oh, that's crazy. That, again, I like a sci-fi movie with, like, built-in history. And I'm like, I would love the graphic novel spinoff prequel that of, shows us of the war yeah. of, of mankind versus, versus Tom Cruise. <laughs> and Tom Cruise would be the bad guy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I like this kind of a uh, story told in parts because you hear it from like different perspectives. We got a little bit from like Jack's memories and then from Julia and then from Morgan Freeman. And then later we're going to get like the ultimate flashbacks. Yeah. It's interesting that like, cause he also mentions you know, he was in Chicago, and because of, like, the bedrock there, like, they were okay for the most part, except that most people starved. Because they didn't get any supplies. Yeah. But it's interesting that there's, like, there are young people, and there are kids, like, um, among this colony. Like, there's still hope for survival mm-hmm. that they continue to, like, procreate. Because yeah. there didn't seem to be anyone as old as Morgan Freeman. So, like, all these people have only been alive during the war and like yeah. during like Morgan Freeman the might be like the only one there that was there like pre-war yeah <laughs> or that experienced the war in any way right because I mean he by the way he says like I was only in the army for a year you get that he was like 18 19 years old when shit went down yeah because this know? is what 60 years later something like that it was 50 years after 50 yeah. years okay so yeah like that's quite the time jump which means that Tet arrives in 2027 which means we're fucked in a few years shit the alien AI will come and take over Earth. <laughs> I could have sworn it was 2017, though, because when he was at the football stadium, it said, like, oh, the last Super Bowl was played here, and it said, like, 2017 champions. I think there was a couple inconsistencies because... So is it... Or maybe not. 50 years or 60 years? Because he does say it's been 50 years since the moon was destroyed. Oh. But the maybe the moon being destroyed takes place several years into this war. Like after the war is that, happening. That lasted for a long time. So maybe it was 2017 when... When things first started yeah. going to shit? Yeah. Huh. Okay. Preparing their drone to take off, they're attacked by three more drones. Malcolm destroys one with a turret. Another locks onto Julia and is destroyed. And the third is destroyed by Jack. They suffer many casualties, including the reprogrammed drone itself. Jack offers to take the bomb himself, which will probably not work, (laughs) Malcolm says. But Julia suggests going together, since the Tet ordered him to bring her in anyways. Jack puts Julia in her capsule and says goodbye. So the action here is good. It's amazing. It's incredible. I loved it. It's so good for just like a faceless robot versus just a bunch of extras. There's a really (laughs) great tracking shot that follows the drone around the building as it slaughters people. Mm -hmm. Oh my god, it's amazing. I love it. I love when an action scene tries to like kind of put a plot into itself into the action scene so it's not just kind of like mindless the whole time. No, because mindless is boring. Yeah. You've got a lot of little like sub stories going on here. You've got you know, there's that turret man who gets shot down and so like then Morgan Mal- Freeman yeah. jumps on the turret. He mans a turret and he's shooting the thing and then and then the, all of it goes to white and you're like, did it explode or did we just cut to a different scene? <laughs> like <laughs> you've got Tom Cruise is chasing another one down like a whole thing, then it explodes, he has to run away and he does the thing from Mission Impossible where <laughs> he, he does run a lot in this movie. <laughs> oh yeah. He gets <laughs> shot and he's in the air from an explosion, and then a different explosion sends him in a different direction. You're like, what the fuck? <laughs> 
It looks cool, though. Oh, yeah. And then you got the other drone who's, like, cornering all of, like, the women and children and just, like, all the civilians who are, like, unarmed. And then the one soldier that you're taught to think is a total douchebag is the one that saves them. Yeah. It's all good stuff. This is a great action scene. Yeah. I enjoyed it quite a bit. I, look, obviously, we watch a lot of movies. But, like, when a movie just kind of, when it starts hitting on all cylinders, like, I just find it, myself kind of engrossed by it. Well, like I'm just it's, it's something that stands out. I'm just like really into it and I forget I'm like, oh god, I gotta like I gotta pause this, I gotta take notes, I have to like did I miss something? When it really just kind of sucks you in, you know? No, the, the entire last hour of this movie that's why I don't like my notes are already done because I stopped taking notes because I was just like <laughs> oh, just yeah. watching the movie the whole time. That's the thing. And and this is definitely a part where I'm like there are non original plot points that catch me by surprise. <laughs> like, and I'm just like, oh my God. And I'm like, but fuck, it happens in every movie. This is a trope, but this it's is a, done so well. But it's done so well that I'm just like, I'm really into it, you know? <laughs> like, when they're like, you know, they have a plan and then I'm like, okay, well, the plan's gonna work because they gotta save the day and I'm like, oh fuck, the plan didn't work. <laughs> now they gotta figure something out. <laughs> that happens in every fucking movie ever and yet here I am going like, God, this is great. Like, like oh, what are they gonna do now? <laughs> yeah, like I'm stressed out. I'm on the edge of my seat. This is, this is a good movie, okay? <laughs> oh, I loved it. <laughs> anyway, let's keep going. We're almost done. Uh, on his flight to the Tet, he has flashbacks of his original NASA mission to investigate the Tet. He and his co-pilot, Vika, sense danger when the Tet starts pulling them in. Jack ejects the rest of the crew to orbit the Earth safely. In the present, Jack enters the Tet flanked by two drones. Sally analyzes his speech patterns and questions his true intentions, knowing he's lying and nervous. He replies he wants the human race to survive and his mission is the only way. Telling the truth, but also regurgitating the lie he's been fed. He witnesses the cloning chambers with thousands more Jackson Vickas. This entire flashback was really cool because it answers so many questions. Yeah. You find out that Tet is basically taking the form of Sally, who was their NASA mission command. Yeah. That's why she has like that southern accent, too. Yeah. The reason why there's a bunch of uh, Jackson Vickas is because they're the only humans Mm -hmm. that made it into Tet. Yeah. And the reason why the capsule with all the survivors was even there was because he ejected it like you learn everything here and it it makes everything click so perfectly i love okay so there's a difference between story and plot if you don't know story is what happens plot is how it's told yeah right and this does such a good job of telling you the story in bits and then kind of piecing it all together at the end it Mm -hmm. is very satisfying yes and he's like almost mirroring exactly what he was doing like back then. Well, that's why he's getting which all the is flashbacks, why yeah, yeah the memories are flooding back to him. Because a reminder, if I haven't, if we weren't clear, like they were NASA astronauts on a manned mission to Titan on Saturn, right? Mm-hmm. But this fucking alien mega ship arrives, so they're like, "Hey, you guys got to go check it out." They divert their mission, and when and on, the only people awake were the pilot co-pilot, which is Jack and Vicka. Yeah. But even then, like, Vika takes a selfie with him, and he, like, uncomfortably, because he looks over, and he's really closer, and he's like, oh, and he, like, kind of pulls away. He's kind of uncomfortable. And that picture is what, I guess, Tet planted as, like, their couple picture. Like, yeah, it's their only photograph on fucking, like, on their their house to appear like a happy couple, which I'm like, you could have made, come on, you could have made something. But he tells her to, like, go with the crew, and she's like, no, I'm staying here. We're a team. Like, she's ready to, like, yeah. face death with him. Yeah. I mean, 
And she kind of does. She it, does. <laughs> you're not supposed to like root for Vicka, but you're not supposed to hate her either. No, like, she's just like, she's her own character yeah. doing her own thing. She's a good person. Yeah. Uh, I kind of feel for her for, you know, clearly being in love with Tom Cruise. <laughs> <laughs> well, she died for him. So, yeah. Twice. <laughs> I like the bit also he tells uh he tells Julia the way he says goodbye to her he does it again subconsciously later. Mm-hmm. No, this was all super good. I love the I got major Independence Day vibes here <laughs> because it is the same exact thing. But <laughs> yeah. This is a better movie than Independence Day, so who cares? Independence Day had the best speech ever in a movie though. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. But yeah, at the end, you, you know, they they take the alien ship and they've got a bomb that they strapped into the the thing and they're taking it in inside the mothership to explode it from the inside. Same thing, but this is better. I'm sorry. (laughs) We will not go quietly into the night. Oh, actually, you know what? The entrances to both ships, Independence Day and this are inverted triangles. It's probably a direct callback to it. Ah, It's probably too. Yeah. (laughs) I also, I mean, I've seen people say like, there are some matrix callbacks here when you see all of like the clones just wall of clones. A little bit, yeah. A little bit, but it's, it's clones. Like, what do you expect? <laughs> no, it was actually a Spider-Man callback. Yeah. <laughs> Jack speaks to the central AI, who is still appropriates the voice of Sally, the original NASA mission controller. He unloads Julia's capsule, telling the story of Horatius of Rome, who defended Rome by sacrificing himself. He opens a capsule, and Malcolm emerges, who wanted to witness the Tet's face as it's destroyed. Jack exclaims, fuck you, Sally, and detonates the bomb. (laughs) The Tet explodes, and Julia wakes up at the lake cabin. I thought he was going to tell the story of the Trojan horse. (laughs) Uh, I feel like that would have been... A little too on the nose. Too on the nose. Well, okay, so I like this because he doesn't exactly say what Horatio... Did. Oh, sorry, Horatius did. Horatius, I had to look it up. He defended, he, him and some others, defended the bridge while the rest of the Romans destroyed the bridge behind them. So they sacrificed themselves to save. Exactly. So okay. so they are uh, they're doing exactly what. Yeah. It feels more appropriate than a Trojan horse thing. But they also kind of did a Trojan horse thing. It's, it's a little bit of both, yeah. <laughs> uh, I also love that in a PG-13 movie when you take, because you're only allowed one fuck. Right. <laughs> Fuck you, Sally. You uh, you put it in the perfect spot in the movie. <laughs> yes. I love that. That's something the X-Men movies actually did pretty well, too. It was always oh, yeah. Wolverine saying it, though. Yeah. <laughs> God, I love it. So did you know that uh, one of the possible lines in Avengers Endgame for Iron Man was going to be, Fuck you. And then he snaps his fingers. That would have been cool. So they had filmed a couple. It could have and- been, Fuck you, I'm Iron, I'm Iron Man. Could have been, but they hadn't thought of that. Damn it was it. one. Where, I think they had filmed a couple. One where he's silent and he just snaps his fingers, and one where he literally just goes "fuck you" and then snaps God. his fingers. Because first that's of all, very Tony Stark. Very Tony Stark. They had never said in the F word. I think in Marvel. No, they haven't. It would have been just like the ultimate, like the boom. only exception being like the Netflix shows. Yeah, but then, uh, like in the edit, someone thought, "Why doesn't he just say I am Iron Man?" The other guy just said, "I am inevitable." He should go, "I am Iron Man." And they had a fucking call for Robert Downey Jr. Get him back to do this race. Hey, we got to do this one. (laughs) And uh, RDJ didn't want to do it at first because he had already gone through the emotional process. I already already said goodbye. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, But he once, I mean, once they convinced him, he was like, all right, that's Uh, pretty good. (laughs) Okay. Because 
his first movie ends with I'm Iron Man. It's a per- it was an absolutely perfect moment. Yeah, I think Fuck You would have been good too. A close second is Fuck You. <laughs> I think Fuck You, I am Iron Man would have been just maybe a bit much, but I would have loved it. <laughs> <laughs> I noticed that the capsule he was dragging out said Jay Harper on it, which is his name, but her capsule said Jay Ruskova or, yeah, or whatever had, her, like, her original name, Russian name was. So which. Because she was in her capsule. It was a fake out. Yeah. He put Morgan Freeman in his capsule. Don't know where he got his capsule from, but that's the whole Yeah, point. where did he get his capsule from? <laughs> did he even have one? Maybe it might have landed in the wreckage. It's not important. That's not the important part. The important part is you were supposed to, if you had a keen eye, you were supposed to notice that there was a switcheroo. Yes. I thought it was like an inconsistency. I'm like, I did too. I'm like, oh, somebody did something wrong. Yeah. And then <laughs> fucking Morgan Freeman pops his ass out. And I'm like, yes. I was like, oh, it's a different capsule. Again, <laughs> this is not a new thing, this kind of switcheroo thing, but like it got me twice because I saw this that movie That was also already. something that was set up too because Morgan Freeman's like, man, it'd be worth it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I also questioned how quickly he was like, yeah, man, Julia, you can totally die with me. I'm going to take you up there to die with me. No, he tricked her. He tricked her for her own life. I'm sure she was pretty upset when she woke up. <laughs> Probably. But, uh, yeah, no, it makes sense. Make sacrifice. Save save your wife. Fuck you, Sally. Fuck you, Sally. Best line in the whole movie. <laughs> Except Sally was probably actually a very good person. But yeah, but, I mean, she's appropriated the image of and the voice of this yeah. Sally. Here's, I mean, the thing is, too, I don't think the whole movie, when you meet Sally, you're not supposed to believe that. She's not an AI. <laughs> no. I think it's supposed to be clear as day. No, Something's even wrong like, with her. No, because it'll zoom in sometimes on her feed when she's talking, and it gets, like, choppy and stuff. Yeah, and, and you're supposed to be like, oh, it's a signal going on, whatever, and that's probably what, what's her, what's her fucking Vicka, face? Vicka believes. But also, it's revealed around here that Jack's never met Sally. No, he's never spoken to her No, and all. I was like, that's kind of weird that they've never met. But it's it's all Vicka's job to communicate with Sally. And it's not Jack's. Because I think Jack, I think he's too smart. They compart- I think he would have noticed something. It. Yeah. It's like S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah. I think he would have noticed something was fishy. You know? Yeah. Because he's like, nice to meet you, Sally, or whatever. Yeah. But yeah, the, no, the way she talks and the way she asks the whole effective team thing, I think they used the same clip and repeated it to make it yeah. feel robotic. And it feels like, because um, the way it's like, repeated like that it makes it feel like it's almost like a like a brainwashing like trigger word type yeah thing. well no vic is totally brainwashed oh absolutely <laughs> i kind of feel bad for her. yeah <laughs> jack narrates as julia and her daughter tend to their cabin he says that a soul is the love we have for each other and that he's loved julia from the moment he saw her for three years i searched for the house he built Jack Tech number 52, the Jack clone we met earlier, appears with the scavs across the lake, finally finding Julia. Yeah, so like I said earlier, 52 went on a whole different adventure. I'm sure like after he woke up, he's like, oh man, that was fucking weird. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'm sure all of his drones shut down and shit when... Yeah, and then he finds the scavs got destroyed. Yeah, slowly learns everything. I'd watch his movie, only it's probably boring. <laughs> that one's probably more of a nomadic adventure type movie. <laughs> <laughs> so a lot d- during this part, I'm like, there's no way. Like, she fell in love with original Jack, and then 49, who, like, sacrificed himself for her. So, like, what's the bond with 52? He's just a random Jack. He's the same person, but though. But I know, and that's the thing. That's why this movie's like, what is a soul and, like... Do we? Because this is the movie. Because I think the point being that 
Jack lives on in all of the texts, it seems like. At least in some of them. Yeah. Because I feel like he... The, the, the ones that managed to like break their programming, Yeah, I guess. Well, the fact that he, this one, sought Julia out after just seeing her for a second. Yeah. I think that's the key. I think that's what puts him on the same echelon as Jack 49. Yeah. You know, because he's like, there's a cabin out there somewhere. And I know it exists because it's what I would do. Mm-hmm. And I think he said as much. And so that's what made him want to seek out this cabin and search for it for as long as he did. For years. Whoa. Also, I guess the little girl was conceived when they did it that one time. Oh, yeah. The one, in, the one time? One and done, baby. Wow. <laughs> what are the odds? Uh, they're kind of high, actually. Uh, eh. no, not, not too not. high. No. Not too high. Well, we're not going to get into ovulation. <laughs> he just, they did it at but the right time. Statistically. Yeah, it's not. They, they yeah. did it at the right time. Yeah. And also, the, I guess the plot demanded. Yeah, it's a movie. <laughs> How many other movies where this exact same thing happens? True. <laughs> uh, no, but it's cute. It's cute that it, it's nice. It's a nice a... ending, honestly. It is. It's a nice happy ending, and it ends on Tom Cruise smiling and like kind of crying, just like Edge of Tomorrow did. <laughs> yeah, but this is real love, though. That was more like camaraderie. True. But yeah, no, I mean, that's the movie. <laughs> yeah, I think he laughs. Does he, does he do his laugh? Does he do his laugh? I don't remember. I remember he's like, there's tears in his eyes and he smiles. I don't remember if he laughs. <laughs>, <laughs> so, oh, fuck. I wrote it down here. The whole thing about the background. Why oh, would I son write of it a wrong? Bitch. Here, look, I'll just tell you. why. Well, that's why I said it. Uh, I'll just Kaczynski, mark it and move it. I know. Kaczynski. That doesn't matter. We're too, <laughs> we're too far in. Oh, we're too far in. I'm not going to do that. I would do that, but and I've done that many times before, but not today. Well, I've got too much stuff to add it. Uh, Kaczynski wanted to film a cinematic adaptation of the graphic novel Oblivion, which he started to co-write with yada, yada, yada. The novel, however, was never finished. As Kaczynski now admits, it was just a stage in a project of film development. <laughs> he, it's kind of douchey where he's just like, yeah, no, fuck this comic book company. I, I never wanted to actually. I always only wanted to make a movie. I just needed attention for my project. <laughs> uh, he explained in an interview with Empire that the partnership with Radical Comics allowed me to continue working on the story by developing a series of images and continuing to refine the story more over a period of years. Then I basically used all that development as a pitch kit to the studio. So even though we really never release it as an illustrated novel, the story is being told as a film, which was always the intention. So he uses unfinished graphic novel as a storyboard, basically. Yeah. It's interesting. It's interesting. <laughs> That's that's a very different way of getting a movie made. <laughs> Works. Yeah, so this guy, is, his name is Joseph Kaczynski. You asked me earlier. He did Tron Legacy. I like that movie. Also, and I said Life. Uh, oh, yeah. But also, he has done... Wait, I thought Life was done... Oh, we're so stupid. I was talking about the I'm Morbius so director. I was talking about yeah, Morbius, Morbius. Sorry, sorry, sorry. This is I'm going to cut out. Yikes. <laughs> uh, no, Tron Legacy, then this movie, Only the Brave, which is a documentary, I think. And he's directing Top Gun Maverick also, which is making me want Top Gun now because I was not interested in a Top Gun sequel. But I like this guy. He, he's got He's got style in a good way. And substance. Yeah. I'm amazed he hasn't done more stuff. I guess he has a good relationship with Tom Cruise. Also, (laughs) he won a couple awards for... He made the commercial for Gears of War. He won an award for that. Which commercial? It's called Mad World. 
Oh, I remember that Do one. You know, you know which one that is? Yeah. And then also, Assassin's Creed, Unity, and Destiny become legend commercials. Ooh. So he's directed commercials. The Assassin's Creed Unity commercial was good, too. I remember that one. Oh, wait. He also did previous work has primarily been with CGI-related television commercials, including the Starry Night commercial for Halo 3. Oh, that one's actually How do you iconic. know all these? I'm a video game guy. Okay, but still. No, that commercial's like iconic. Really? Yeah. I'll link oh, this. you should watch these commercials. Okay, I'm going to watch these. I'll link they're, them below. They're good. You guys tell me if these... Yeah, I mean, okay. They're good commercials. Uh, that Halo 3 one is like burned into my mind forever. What? Yeah. Well, that's this guy, Oblivion. <laughs> <laughs> so, overall thoughts, what do you think? This movie was great. I loved it. I was very surprised. I love this movie. I think it's very good. Because I was like, oh, it's, it's probably going to be a generic Tom Cruise movie with sci-fi elements. That's what I thought. And I watch. I'm like, this is this is interesting. Wow, there's like this is kind of deep. <laughs> yeah, this and is like great. more and more li- like this movie's like an onion. Yeah, so many layers. Yeah, no, there really is. One of the reasons sci-fi is one of my favorite genres, and true sci-fi, what it does, because I mean, you look at Star Wars and people think that's sci-fi. That's fantasy. It, it's space fantasy. Yeah, yeah, that's a space opera. It's completely different. What a sci-fi movie is is it takes a little bit of science fiction. Not necessarily a lot. Sometimes it can be a lot. Just a little bit. Maybe changes one little thing. It asks a question. And then having that question in, it explores what are the ramifications of that? What are the themes that can be explored with after you've taken this one change from the real world? You know? So it's you look at like a movie like, I don't know, I Robot. I don't remember <laughs> if that's a good movie or not. But but it's, I, I don't remember either. But it, it, it what is what does it explore? Like what is can a robot commit murder and why would it if it could and does a robot have a soul right uh because it's like that movie i think was a little bit of like if the murder is for the greater if you have to kill one person to prevent this other evil thing from happening would would you do that i need to rewatch that movie actually because it might <laughs> I actually it's okay. ask some interesting questions but that's what good sci-fi yeah does Right. And yeah. I think this is, yes, this does borrow from a lot of other sci fi. That's okay. It is okay. Right. It's okay that it's a little bit Star Wars. It's a little bit 2001. It's a little bit Matrix. Again, Star Wars and Matrix, they did the same fucking thing. They stole all that shit and they created an original story by all these other borrowed elements. Yeah. Right. That's what all of these movies need to do because every sci fi thing has probably already been told. By now, yeah. So there you go. All you can do is take something and like make it your own. Yeah. Like I said, there's a little bit of an independence day in this. A lot of this feels like Wally. If Wally were more violent and depressing. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> the, and Wally, all the humans are still alive though. Yeah, but they're all on a ship like Tet, first of all. <laughs> and I know that and they're happen. basically dead because they don't do anything. And I know that's a fake out or whatever, but then they come back to Earth because the Earth is more habitable and you've got what the one you got Wally, who's the one who has just had to clean up on Earth, and he meets the other Eve. Eve and w- tell me the Eve aesthetic is not exactly the same oh, as very all the aesthetic like, here. Like round and shiny and, and white. white. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> all this oh, the sounds are very similar. Uh, Eve has a gun that blows shit up. There's another HAL 3000 in, in Wally also. Yeah, yeah, no one complained when Wally did HAL 3000. <laughs> they thought it was clever there. Wow, so. it's so clever that they referenced 2001. <laughs> <laughs> um, but this is doing a couple things. The cloning bit also feels a lot like uh, ben Blade Riley. Runner. 
Oh. Oh, oh, actually. Yeah. Because a lot of Blade Runner, one of the main kind of themes in Blade Runner is, do replicants have a soul? And is he a replicant? And is he a replicant? That's kind of the burning question. But like, you know, you've got the the bad guy in that movie at the end. He's all like, am I a human? Like, what is, who am I? What <laughs> am I? You know? Yeah. And I think that is, a lot of that is in here also, because that's, that is the major question that this is asking. But it is also surrounded by all these other sci-fi war AI is taking over the universe and all this shit. Like, but the main issue here is, does Tom Cruise have a soul? <laughs> Maybe in well, this movie. <laughs> in real life. In real life, I'm not sure. We'll get to it he in a minute. He probably sold it to Mephisto. <laughs> probably. Uh, no, but Jack. Does Jack have a soul? And the- I'd say yes, <laughs> just based on his one burning desire to find Julia. And yeah. also his reaction when he finally found her. Well, because you know what solidifies it for me is when the notion that there were thousands of other Jacks that were just cold hearted killers. And these two were the ones that like felt something yeah. and did something about it. Yeah. They did what they thought was the right thing to do. Right. Although it was really ballsy of Malcolm, Morgan Freeman, to test him by doing the one thing he can't undo, which is bring down the, the ship. Yeah. <laughs> to get the plot moving and that, to get that their plan was, moving. He he had to be like real confident. Oh yeah. <laughs> also, what if like before Jack knew what was happening, one six six had already murdered four of them. Yeah. So <laughs> Yeah, what if he just didn't get there in time? Well yeah, a lot of things could happen. That might be my only problem in this whole movie, honestly. It, it was also interesting though when I keep, I keep calling him just Morgan Freeman, but it's Malcolm. It's Malcolm Beach. When Malcolm Beach <laughs> asked Jack, you know, why did you save her? And he said, anybody would have. And then Malcolm was like, really? <laughs> well, that's funny you mentioned because I've seen you murder so many people. <laughs> He's like, really? Anybody would have done it, huh? But yeah, yeah, it's those bits that give that notion. that like, it, gives him, it gives him humanity. He has the soul. And I guess that's the what soul of, to. The soul of Jack. <laughs> yeah. The real Jack, I guess. Who is... Probably been dead for like 50, 60 years. <laughs> yeah. I love that uh, Tet seemed real hungry for a new human. She's like, oh, wait, you have a third human? We only have two of those. Bring, bring her here. <laughs> yeah, we need her. <laughs> <laughs> no, because they after they like blew up Vika, they're like, all right, so uh, just bring this girl up. Yeah. <laughs> like, because we, we got Vic clones. That's not a we, problem. We have so many. <laughs> we got piles of vix what we need is a third human because he probably has a bunch of different skills we can clone yeah and and then we can you know more efficiently harvest all of the energy from this planet i'd really be interested to know if if there are other resistance groups around the world or is anybody actually at titan probably not because they never made it i I think that's all of humanity i think they they never made it to titan right that's part of the lie that they've been fed yeah well also like Current Jack, at the beginning of the movie, is under the impression that their technology was way more advanced than it really was. That they could go to Titan, and, like, they're using alien technology. He just doesn't realize it. No. He thinks that this is the peak of human technology. Yep. Because they've been, you know... They had their memories wiped. It was a mandatory memory memory wipe, yeah. Well, I mean, also, they're probably fresh, brand new uh, yeah. uh, clones, so really, it's uh, this is our excuse <laughs> yeah so you don't remember that you uh you died and then you were reborn into a fucking clone thousands of times <laughs> but uh no story-wise i think this movie is fucking solid yeah this was like this felt like i found a hidden gem yeah 
I'm not going to sit here and be like it's derivative of other things. I think it, it it does pay its homages, but it makes an original story that I think stands up on its own. Moving on, cinematography. Movie is beautiful. Yeah. Like, I think the main takeaway for me here is how good it looks. There is something here to be said. Like, we were talking about the Batman compared to, like, Morbius. If you listen to our Morbius review, I like the Batman, you know, despite me not liking it, it does click on all cylinders. Like, it, it really, the whole of the movie comes together to give you this product. And I feel the same way here where the shots where he's just kind of like, you know, riding the motorcycle or flying. I'm like, I'm in a movie. Like, this it's, works. It's, it's very know? cinematic <laughs> cinema. <laughs> yeah. And I'm sorry. I All I can say is like, oh, yeah, this, this looks like a movie to me. But like, it, like it, when you stop thinking about it for a minute and you're just kind of like in awe of what you can, you're watching. You can get lost in it. Yeah. That's yeah. what a good movie should do. Yeah. Like, the movie shouldn't make me go, oh, well, you know, I, I would change this and I would do this differently. And I don't think that line was delivered very well. I'm like, no, this is all real to me now. <laughs> like, I'm in this universe, you know? Yeah. That is beautiful when that actually happens. It's that and the music together. Oh. Chef's kiss. And, like this movie doesn't feel too long or too short. No, it's it's, it's, it's like it's paced. Right. It's paced almost perfectly. Yeah, and that's why when you're saying it's slow at the beginning, I'm like, I like that though. No, I. But I'm also recognizing that not everybody's going to be into that. Okay. Yeah. I, I'm down with it. But like, there was a certain part in the movie where I just like I did perk up. I was like, Yeah. Oh. Yeah. We're going to reveal after reveal, but like also if you need. For you, the audience, to be as surprised as the main character, you also have, like, he's your surrogate. Like, you have to be, like, you have to be convinced of what he's convinced. You need to spend enough time with him in the beginning of the movie to establish your own status quo. Yes. You know? Otherwise, you'd be like, was that supposed to be a surprise? Because I'm not surprised. Because I just got here. (laughs) You know? But Tom Cruise tells you, like, this is the universe right now. And then he shows it to you and you go on a mission with him and then you meet all the... You see, like, his current everyday life. Yeah. yeah. You spend enough time with him to then be like, oh, wait, this is weird. And then this happens. And then then you're surprised. Something's not quite right. And then it evolves to, holy shit. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Ah, good stuff. But, okay, so on cinematography, because we we, we went back to story because we like the story so much. The sets, beautiful. The set design, I I love. I think I mentioned at the beginning of the movie, it's hard to not do what any other movie has done. Make something original. Like, how? Like, if you give me a pen and paper, I'm not an artist. If you give me a pen, pen, pen and paper, make make a spaceship no one's ever seen before. I'd be like, I can't. I can't because I can only think of spaceships that I've seen before. <laughs> We've seen them all. <laughs> They've all been designed. I don't know what you want from me. Here's this bubble ship. And I'm like, this thing's cool. It's like a helicopter, but it's futuristic. It's like a helicopter slash jet slash almost spaceship oh it reminds me uh the ones in clone wars which one oh the there's an episode where they find these alien ships and they it takes them the whole episode to learn how to fly them because they're They're not they're not the alien pilots yeah they're the humanoid clones you know (laughs) uh and they're like but it's a big bubble craft like this okay it's very similar actually i'll find it huh yeah i gotta be reminded of that i'll link that below the setting, a lot of this movie was filmed in Iceland because Iceland is like this big, beautiful wasteland. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's very little life. It's all... Iceland or Greenland? Iceland. I thought um, there was a bunch of people. Well, not a bunch of people, but there's civilization in Iceland. Well, yeah, there's cities and stuff, but I mean like out in the volcanoes. Oh, oh yeah. No, people don't live there. It's very... It's very <laughs> there's a lot of like... It's, uh, it's pretty remote. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's a lot of uh, like volcanic... 
what's the word? The dirt. <laughs> the soil is like black rock soil. Soot. So they went and they filmed this during the summertime there where it's daylight 24 hours a day. Mm-hmm. So why that was great was because the sunset lasts for like eight hours. Oh, so they could get all these shots. Yeah. So, um, and we've said this, you can't usually film a sunset because it happens in a matter of minutes. Yeah. <laughs> so you get one take. That's all you get. Uh, that's why and, it's usually done on like a soundstage with exactly. artificial lighting. Or yeah. And like CGI or yeah. stagecraft, like we've said, but you go there and it's basically the golden hour for eight hours and they can film all day That's pretty uh, cool. and, and get the same consistent kind of shot. They also, parts of it are snowy, parts of it are dry. They get all kinds of very dystopian, apocalyptic, and yet really beautiful kind of, you know, scenery. Okay. They also have a McDonald's. Yeah, they got McDonald's on ice. They they have some cities there. It's a great country. (laughs) I want to visit, honestly. Uh, It'd be cool to visit. Um, Uh, Greenland, don't go there. Okay. It's a trick. Really? (laughs) It's an icy wasteland. Oh, yeah, 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 for sure. (laughs) Also, they, you know the volume? Yeah. They made a volume for this. Really? Yeah. This was the volume before the volume. What? So the, and I, again, there's a special effects reel behind the scenes things. It's like 20 some minutes. I linked it below. You should watch it. They built a surround screen around the house set. Okay. Uh, and it, it's not LCD screens like they do today for the Mandalorian stuff. Yeah. Because 10 years ago, uh, it was projector screens, right? Okay. So they went to on top of a volcano in Hawaii and they filmed hours and hours of just like the vistas there, right? So that they could have all this footage of like a beautiful, high up, kind of cloudy sunrise, sunset, middle of the day, all this stuff, right? Okay. And they projected that on those screens that surround the house. And that allows them to do a gajillion things, obviously. So, like, anytime like they're looking out the window or something, it's just we see those screens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Here I have a picture. I mean, there's so it's like a it's like a prototype to the volume. Yeah, that's pretty so, cool. So this screen goes all the way around the entire house, and they would shoot that. Also, here is where like the pool was. So the sunsets and stuff reflect off the water. Also, this is stuff that you can't do in CGR, or if you if you do, it's not going to look real. It's, it's going to look weird, and it's going to take for fucking. It's going to have like that uncanny valley. Yeah. yeah. Also. You can't film a glass house with see with green screens or blue screens behind it because the blue and the green are going to reflect and re- refract and all sorts it's of angles. Ruin everything. The guys were like, it would take forever to get to paint over and it wouldn't look good. But by doing it this way, obviously everything shot in camera. They even built an entire helicopter, uh, the bubble ship, because wow. the director's like, we want to get as much in camera as we can, and then it obviously enhanced with CGI, and it looks good in in the movie. I can't, it looks great. You cannot find a single fault visually in this film, I think. No. I think it, it looks incredible, honestly. Look at that. Huh. Look at that set, though. That's awesome. Yeah, and I think these are all lights up there. All these are light diffusers here. <laughs> That's impressive. Yeah. It's a lot um, of uh, labor that went into that. I mean, again, it's either you do it there or you do it in CGI. and They definitely made the better choice. Yeah, you don't get a good effect. I mean, this this movie made its money back. It did fine. It just didn't. It wasn't anything special either. Yeah, like this movie wasn't really talked about once it came out. It kind of just like fell through the cracks. Yeah, I mean, some of these actually, some of these sci-fi movies that are just, in my opinion, so fucking good. It's it's this and it's uh, Blade Runner twenty forty nine, Arrival. These are some of my favorite movies. 
And I'm like, they don't make that much money. And I'm like, people need to give these movies a shot. Like, go watch something original. I know I it's know not. People spy- really gravitate towards like serious sci-fi, though. They usually <sighs> don't. It's I like, oh, but it's kind of niche. But it's so good, and in, and they kind of do have to be big budget. But again, this Arrival, Blade Runner, twenty forty nine. I want to see Dune, but that's probably closer to like space fantasy Dude, yeah. than, than hard sci-fi i haven't seen dune either i've been meaning to i actually not my fault i tried to go see it and it wasn't in theaters i went to because it was on hbo max for a month and i went right. to like go log into hbo max i had time i'm like i want to watch this movie i went on it was like the day after they had taken it off hbo ah, max shit so then i'm like well god damn it i guess i'll go to the theater and it wasn't it was, in the it theater was already either. out of theaters yeah i was like what's this was, bullshit was it only in theaters for like a month I don't know. I I missed the out. The movie apparently did very well, and there's a sequel coming. I know, but but I, I missed out. I missed out too. I need to watch it. Pissed off about I, it's, it. It's I think it's back on HBO Max now. Yeah, I can definitely watch yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, although I might get it on Blu-ray. Oh uh, yeah, watch it as make 4K. it look as good as possible. Oh yeah, 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 it'll look a little bit better. Anyway, music two composers Anthony Gonzalez, who is from the from. Uh, uh, an electric rock band called M83. I've heard of them. Oh, yeah? I never listened to their stuff, but okay. I, I have heard of them. And Joseph Trapanese, or Trapanese, I don't know how to say his name. Uh, <laughs> he's a seasoned composer who often works with artists. So, okay. No, the music for this movie felt very unique. Yeah. So he's made uh, scores with uh, the guy from Linkin Park. Oh, um, shit. Also, I think like Jay Z, like he wants to incorporate like all the, these sounds. The kind of guy and... that would also work with like Trent Reznor a lot too. Trent Reznor does his own shit. He does kind of do. His own. <laughs> Trent Reznor works with composers a lot though. Well, he's. Scored... I think he composes himself too. He's scored movies on his own. I think right. I I believe so. He's definitely he has, yeah. scored a couple of video games too. Oh wow. Yeah, I'm like, damn, this is the, the Nine Inch Nails guy. <laughs> Oh, no, no, no. He does work with... Uh, there's a composer he works with a lot. I think he works with a few composers. Isn't it like Atticus Ross? Isn't it? Atticus Ross? Atticus Ross, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they work together. Music was... It was a standout for me. Again, like, everything worked in tandem together. And I think the fact that they used, like, a lot of electric rock gave it that sci-fi feeling as well. Mm-hmm, yeah. In a very good way. Yeah. The music actually reminded me a bit of and i don't think you've ever played the game but the mass effect no (laughs) in particular the first mass effect which feels that whole game feels like like almost like a love letter to like just sci-fi in general okay that's pretty much it i think for that okay so this is keep or cancel this is a segment of the show where we talk about the people in the movie and we decide are we going to keep them or are we going to cancel them it's like cancel culture you get it right i don't get it you know when uh, people get canceled in real life, Perno? <laughs> it's like that. <laughs> Tom Cruise. So last week we did part one of our Tom Cruise Keeper Cancel, part one of our Tom Cruise-a-thon. In Edge of Tomorrow, we talked about Tom Cruise, the actor. Yes. So we omitted any mention of anything not relating to his career in film. Right. Today we're going to talk about Tom Cruise, the person. Completely different person. It's a completely different Tom Cruise. It's like in this movie. There's just another one down the, just in the next sector over. (laughs) In the radiation zone. In the radiation zone, there's a whole different Tom Cruise. So this particular Tom Cruise that we found is Tom Cruise, the person. We're not going to mention any of his career, but there's so much to talk about, obviously. 
Not the first person we've done twice, by the way. We did Nick Cage twice. Yeah. Born on July 3rd, 1962, in Syracuse, New York. He almost made it. Almost made it, because he was in the movie called Born on the 4th of July. (laughs) That would have been the perfect art imitating life. Damn, 1962. He's older than I thought he was. Yeah, he's 59. He'll be turning 60 this summer. He looks great for his age. Yeah, sure. He's he's sometimes a good-looking man, and sometimes you see how fucked up his teeth are. (laughs) Yeah. You know what I've noticed is when he's in movies, we talked about this and how uh, how your character and your how you carry yourself and how you act yeah. makes you more attractive or less attractive. But uh, we were talking about that on Moon Knight on Where's Mephisto. But in movies, he just feels more handsome than in like when you see him in real life, like in interviews, because then he looks like a deranged psychopath. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> and just the way he talks, you're just like, oh, oh no, this isn't something's not right. This here. is like a different guy this isn't uh, tom is it <laughs> this isn't ethan hunt <laughs> and all my other favorite characters grew up with three sisters and a cousin named william mapathor mapather mapather i don't know i don't That's know either made a name anyway i only mentioned him because he's a fellow actor tom cruise put him in five of his movies oh cool uh and he's been in a lot of tv stuff most notably at least from from my perspective is he was ethan on lost I don't know who that oh, is. Oh, you didn't watch Lost. That's right. You need to watch Lost. You'd like it. It's got a lot of lore. I like lore. <laughs> Grew up near poverty and raised Catholic. Near poverty? That's what Wikipedia says. I guess he was mostly poor. <laughs> is he like poor adjacent? Yeah. <laughs> Not actual poverty. Described his father as a bully who beat them. So abusive dad. Oh, that's bad. That is bad. Cancel him. <laughs> Real quick, are we canceling um, Tom Cruise's dad? Yes. Okay, cool. Moving on. Um, (laughs) Splits time between four homes, classic rich guy, Beverly Hills, California, Clearwater, Florida, London, and East Grinstead in England. Two of those locations surprised me, and then it all made sense because two of these locations have big Scientologist bases. Is it Clearwater? It is Clearwater. Grinstead? Yep. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the other two make some sense. Yeah. Beverly Hills and London. Okay. Well, Clearwater, Florida. Clearwater, Florida. What's Tom Cruise doing there? Doing Scientology stuff. <laughs> I thought maybe it's like their beach house, you know? Like Clearwater's got some nice beaches. There's much nicer beaches out there. Especially for rich people. Yes. So that one stood out for me. Clearwater's Clearwater. like a nice beach for us. Yeah. Like <laughs> us regular people. common folk. <laughs> You said, didn't you live not that far from Clearwater? Correct. Okay. <laughs> Clearwater's fine. Married Mimi Rogers in 1987, divorced in 1990. She introduced him to Scientology. Oh, boy. Yikes. And that's where his life went downhill? I Is it going downhill, <laughs> He seems to be falling upwards. Maybe his personal life. Uh, married Nicole Kidman. Together, they adopted two children. They got divorced in 2001. I remember that. I also remember that Nicole Kidman was like two feet taller than him. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I didn't actually didn't look up his height. Isn't he a bit on the short side? He's very short. Yeah. So if I called him short stuff, do you think he'd be upset? Probably. He seems to be easily triggered. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to tell him I'm taking antidepressants yeah. and he's short. He's actually not that short. <laughs> um He's five foot eight, which is oh, my height. Oh, he's like just very average height. That's very average. The thing is, is like... In Hollywood, that's tiny. Yeah, because everyone in Hollywood's like six feet. Yeah. 
Anyway, uh, he then dated Penelope Cruz, which is funny because they have similar, the same sounding last names. Cruz and Cruz. Cruz and Cruz. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, Vanity Fair in 2012 reported that Scientologist leaders launched a secret project to find Cruz a new girlfriend through a series of auditions. Oof. <laughs> That's weird. <laughs> this resulted in a short-lived relationship with British-Iranian actress Na- Nazanin Boniadi. Uh, Who? She was in How I Met Your Mother. Who? Did you watch How I Met Your Mother? Yeah. She was Barney's English girlfriend. I barely remember. It was towards the end. Uh, he finally met a girl who made him want to like change his womanizing ways. Right. And it was like this... Thought Robin made him want. Yeah, but change. Robin came after. Oh, I I've only seen that series once. Oh, well, so. anyway, she's in it. She's really good. Oh, uh, beautiful Iranian actress with the British accent. Wait, so she was like she won a date with Tom Cruise? Like, <laughs> yeah, they picked her out of <laughs> out of thousands of contestants. Did, did she um, apply? I don't know. Uh, how does this work? Very interested, but uh, Scientologist. And Cruz's lawyers strongly denied uh, this report from the Vanity Fair, and they threatened to sue Vanity Fair. They dropped the case, uh, and apparently there's a... I didn't write him down, but there was a, a Scientologist, like a higher-up, who left the church, and he's the one that reported this to Vanity Fair, and he confirms it all. And There was, there was multiple sources. Like they, well, if he's higher up in the church, he's, he's bought in. He invested lots of money. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll get to that. It's very expensive. Um, then started dating Katie Holmes, dubbed Tomcat. I don't know if you remember. That was back when everybody needed a nickname, all the couples. They still do that. Do they? Not as often. But What's what's uh, Pete and Kim's? I don't know. P- Pim? Key? Pim. <laughs> Keeter. <laughs> Those are horrible. <laughs> Anyways, he declared his love for Katie on the Oprah Winfrey show, infamously jumping on the couch. I remember that. I remember this. And that's when everybody started to realize maybe he's kind of nuts. I didn't watch the full interview. I might put it on. <laughs> uh, I, didn't, I didn't have time to do that. But uh, I'll link all these things below. I don't remember being that crazy. I remember, I remember thinking like he's crazy. And I'm like, oh, he's an actor. I love her. I love her. I love her. <laughs> only, <laughs> only thing I remember from that, uh, or the only thing that really stands out uh, to me about that was when... Uh, they edited it and it became a gif where he's electrifying. <laughs> I like he's just getting Oprah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> With like force lightning like the emperor. <laughs> um, 2006, he has a child with Katie Holmes named Suri. Uh, they were married shortly thereafter in Rome in a huge Scientologist ceremony. David Miscavige, the head of Scientology, served as his best man. That's a red flag. What's a Scientologist ceremony like for marriage? That's a good question. And I meant to kind of look up. Do they say vows? I don't know. I meant to look up if other celebrities, because apparently this was a huge event. They had invited all these uh, uh, Hollywood elites and whatever. Probably the majority of them are not Scientologists. So, like, I wonder what their take on this was at the time. Yeah. And what? It, how did Katie feel about all this? Because she isn't a Scientologist, right? No, she is. She is. She had to have been. Otherwise, they wouldn't have. They chose wouldn't have her. accepted her into their. No, they wouldn't have chose her to be his wife. Did they choose her? Okay, hold on. I, I read, thought he loved her. I read that. I mean, he may have, but <laughs> I read also that uh, it's widely speculated because of this whole whole audition process that this was an arranged marriage. That's creepy. <laughs> 
within the Church of Scientology. I don't like it. No, of course not. <laughs> All of this is is horrible. But uh, they were divorced in 2012, so only six years together. I don't know if he's with anybody anymore. Are Scientologists allowed to get divorced? What are the rules? Uh, apparently. Well, they kick people out of your life very quickly. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Did you not watch? Did you watch the Leah Remini thing? No. I watched like three episodes. It's horrifying. Oh. It's fucking horrifying. If you don't know anything about Scientology, we're going to recap it in a little bit the best I can. <laughs> it's quite complicated. Anyway, there's like a 12-part miniseries uh, where like Leah Remini, actor from um, King of Queens, the wife. Oh. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She was a Scientologist for a while. She uh, left the church. Oh, uh, shit. And, and now, like, her main thing is kind of, like, opening up about her experience and exposing is the she, church. she, like, whistleblowing? Yeah. I mean, she wouldn't be the first one, but she's probably the most famous one to do so. Is Kevin James a Scientologist, too? They're not married. <laughs> <laughs> Their characters were married. It's fictional. <laughs> um... Yeah, so on Scientology, he is obviously an outspoken advocate. He has lobbied both French and German politicians to recognize the organization as a church. Because uh, Church of Scientology is officially recognized in the United States as a church. Also, the United States will recognize anything as a church. <laughs> they're very... If you're loud enough, yeah. They're they're very loose about it. Have you ever heard of the Church of the Flying Spaghetti Monster? Yes. Are uh, they official? Yeah. They only became they official... They don't pay taxes? Right. They only become official to do that. Also, I think to kind of like, uh, you know. Be funny and ironic. Yeah. And maybe kind of expose the hypocrisies of uh, formal churches. Organized religion. Yeah. 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 They're a real thing. That's why people are allowed to wear colanders on their heads in their license photos. If they are members of the church because it is part of their like religious rights or something. Wow. It's not a real thing. I obviously. feel like you can get away with anything if you just say it's part of your religion. Well, I think you have to get it short like, of like murder. <laughs> I think you have to like. Well, that's the thing. Like, if if you create a church and you get it recognized by the United States, and yeah, you don't want to pay taxes, you can do all kinds of stuff. Yeah, <laughs> it's crazy. <sighs> other I hate that. Other countries don't do this. Is why he is <laughs> such an outspoken advocate uh, in these other countries and in in Europe specifically. <laughs> Uh, he also lobbied the Bush administration to oppose the German non-recognition of Scientology and to endorse Scientologist education methods as part of No Child Left Behind. What the fuck does that even mean? What are Scientologist education methods? Specifically, I don't know. Maybe it's part of the auditing process. Maybe it's like formalize that in schools. Oh, so like uh, the FCAT, that's yeah. Tom Cruise? Like you have to... Oh, maybe. <laughs> Uh, no, like maybe like you have to like they want kids to do this auditing, you know, and hold the little the little machine that tells you about your inner feet. And did you watch a documentary with me when I had it on? Uh, bits of it. OK, well, let's, let's move on. I never did that in school. Yeah, no, it didn't happen. Oh, OK. <laughs> I was gonna be like, no, um, no, no, I don't re- remember any of it. He lobbied. It oh, but, but not successfully. No. OK. <laughs> You kidding me? We don't actually have Scientologist education <laughs> methods in our school. <laughs> I mean, our public school system's already kind of a joke. So. Uh, he attempted to convert at least, yeah, you know that we know of James Packer, Victoria and David Beckham, Jada Pinkett and Will Smith, and Steven Spielberg. Unsuccessful, I think all of them. All by of the way. them are unsuccessful. Yeah, none of those people are Scientologists. Even Will Smith. Will Smith is not a Scientologist, although he is, like, infatuated with Hinduism now. 
Fucking, yeah, I know. Interesting. <laughs> In 2004, Cruz made controversial statements. First, that I think psychiatry should be outlawed. Uh, yeah, okay. Apparently, the Church of Scientology is very against a psychiatry and also like... Anti-psychotics? No. Yeah, they're against... Uh, Anything that alters your mind in any way? Yeah, drugs. He's very against Ritalin. Easy to prescribe Ritalin for you know people with ADHD. Right. Uh, antidepressants. Furthermore, in 2005, he openly criticized Brooke Shields for using Paxil, the antidepressant. It's kind of fucked up to do. None of his goddamn business, right? Right. Uh, after suffering from postpartum depression, this led to a heated debate with Matt Lauer on the Today Show. I watched I will, that with you. We watched <laughs> yeah. that. I'll link that below. He like is very defensive about his take on antidepressants. He got mad. Yeah. It went from like a kind of like fun interview to like, oh, he was kind of <laughs> yelling at Matt Lauer because he's like, "You're the host of the Today Show. Like people watch you. Like you can't. You have a responsibility. You can't. You got to say the right thing. You need to know. <laughs> you need what Riddle and does because you're uneducated. He like called him out for like not knowing and, and not then understanding. He's like, well, I, and then Matt was like, "I don't prescribe it to people." Yeah. He's like, but you got to admit that, like, it has its benefits, and for some people, it's really helped them. And he's like, no, absolutely not. <laughs> uh, whoa. Um, apparently, he later apologized to Brooke Shields. Did he apologize to Matt? Uh, who knows? <laughs> <laughs> Lawrence Wright's book and television documentary adaptation, Going Clear, Scientology and the Prison of Belief, allege that the church groomed romantic partners for Cruz and that Cruz used a church... Use the church workers as a source of free labor. To do what? <laughs> uh, I think like movies and stuff. I don't know. What? Maybe uh, maybe his wedding. Who, who knows? Uh, I didn't read the book. I haven't seen the miniseries. But back to uh, Nazanin Boniadi, the actress. Uh, she compared her audition process to date him with slavery. <laughs> is that extreme or is that like how bad it was? I mean, slavery might be a strong Did it make word, her do a bunch of free labor, though? But maybe, like, uh, <laughs> human trafficking, almost? Like, <laughs> that seems a little bit more on... It all seems very sketchy. Uh, she's also left the church. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, got, I got a lot of people have problems with Tom Cruise here. Uh, Steven Spielberg reportedly mentioned, in Cruise's presence... The name of a doctor friend of his who prescribed psychiatric medication, and shortly thereafter, the doctor's office was picketed by Scientologists. Oh, so Cruz is also a snitch. Yes, <laughs> which apparently upset Steven Spielberg. Obviously, uh, they worked in like three movies together. I think Minority Report, War of the Worlds, was that Spielberg? I don't know if that was Spielberg. Yeah, Steven Spielberg. Damn. Not his best work, man. Well, apparently, uh, Steven Spielberg refuses to work with Tom Cruise ever again. Oh, really? Where'd you see that? It was just in Google when I typed Tom Cruise, uh, Steven Spielberg. Well, maybe it was because of this, actually. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was uh, this Minority Report. That might have been it. <laughs> wow. Uh, way to go, Tom. <laughs> what a dick. Um, and then there's the infamous Church of Scientology produced video for internal use, right? Featuring an interview with Tom Cruise. We just watched that. I'm going to link that below. Uh, basically, he just talks nonsense for like 10 minutes. He, I remember him saying something about like, oh, yeah, only a Scientologist would stop and help somebody at an accident. He's just like, no, like we, and we he are the ones. laughing maniacally. Maniacally, yeah. He's like, we're the ones that are just, we're just better and we're going to make the world better. Make he, Very vague things. He's like, we can make conditions better. 
What conditions? What does that mean? Can you Tom? be more specific, Tom? What specific conditions can you make better? <sighs> and then I think that's where we get like the meme of Tom Cruise laughing. He like throws his head back and is that where that's from? I think so. Oh, it's great to find the source of a meme. <laughs> you put, He's wearing point- like the black like turtleneck. Yeah, yeah, we're just pointing at the screen like the meme, <laughs> like the Leonardo DiCaprio one. <laughs> so let's hop over to just Scientology real quick because a lot of people may not know what Scientology is. It would be, I think, hypocritical of me because I have my faith, right? Right. And I'm I'm uh, I'm Catholic. I am. Not a very good one. I don't go to church very often, but I am faithfully a Christian person, and I, I believe you are too. Yeah. Not Catholic. Not but. Catholic, <laughs> but yeah. So, like, look, it would be, I think, hypocritical to be like, look at what these idiots believe. I realize that from their perspective or anyone else's perspective, they can look at our creation story and be like, look at the shit these people yeah, believe. This is yeah. fucking ridiculous. Yeah. However, I'm just going to just put this out there as unbiasedly as I can, and you be the judge. <laughs> because this is what they believe. <laughs> Uh, they believe that humans are actually immortal aliens called Thetans. That's like your soul, right? Who are constantly reincarnated and forgot their true selves. The world was created by the Thetans, apparently. Um, and uh, they have a sort of creation story having to do with a character. I say character because he's not. He's literally a character in a science fiction book. That's why. But um, called Xenu, who is the leader of the Galactic Confederacy. And he dumped a bunch of their species into volcanoes on Earth, uh, and just because apparently like his world was overpopulated, and he so he took billions of Thetans or of his people, and he threw them in volcanoes here, like in Hawaii or something like that. Why did he go to another planet to drop them in a volcano? Why not just drop them in space? I didn't write this book, <laughs> None of it makes any sense. Uh, and we were talking about this how like apparently in the book. L. Ron Hubbard, who is the author of all the books that was later turned into Scientology, plus he founded Scientology. Including Battlefield Earth. That was one of the... Yeah, the John Travolta movie. The John Travolta movie based on his book. Yes. Yes. In apparently like the Xeno, Xenu texts, the like Xeno's, Xenu's world, their alien species look like us. They look like humans. And also their cars and trains and boats all look like the kinds you would see in the 60s. So it's just Earth. It's just Earth. Yeah. It, it just comes across as very lazy writing because he says that his spaceships looks just like a DB-18 or something, which is a plane, but without the engines. But it, otherwise, it looks exactly like that. It's just a plane without the turbines. <laughs> it almost sounds like somebody was like, "Ooh, can you describe this world a little bit?" And he's like, "Yeah, um, it's Earth. It just it's just like this. What do the people look like? Us. What do they wear? What we're wearing? <laughs> can you describe anything else? No. <laughs> um, no, I cannot. So anyway." He dumps all the fucking people into the volcanoes. Their souls or their thetans come out, uh, and they're very angry thetans now. And so they take the bodies of the early humans, but they're super pissed off at Xenu, and they're super pissed off at their situation. And so all of like the malice and all the bad things that we carry as humans, all that is because of our inner thetans are just so upset still. Oh, so like original sin is I, because I guess <laughs> no, that that still doesn't like equate like not. I guess original sin might be like the Christian equivalent. Well, even that makes more sense. And I'm again, I'm being as unbiased as I possibly can. 
even that makes a tiny bit more sense. <sighs> it just sounds like Xenu's a dick. But yeah. And we're against him because he he wronged us yeah. in and, our past lives. And we have to spend our whole lives, first of all, paying a lot of money, uh, in order to overcome what Zeno did to us. So anyway. <laughs> uh, so It's a pyramid scheme. You no, know, it absolutely is a pyramid <laughs> scheme. So they have to do counseling for this, right? And they call their counseling auditing, right? Which is a horrible word. Uh, for it sounds so like business-like and... Yes. Cold. You have to pay like several thousands of dollars. I think it's like $500 for like your first entry level. And you go in, you speak to like a, essentially a counselor and they give you like therapy, which is a, at some level perfectly fair, right? Aren't they? Oh, no, they're not against therapy. They're against the drugs that yeah. therapists might prescribe. Yeah. They're against like the concept of like chemical imbalances in your brain that affect your So no alcohol, and- no... I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they don't drink alcohol. No weed. I don't know about any of that. No. Uh, yeah, psychotropics, <laughs> like probably not at all. But um, no ecstasy. <laughs> so they have to uh, attend uh, audits to re-experience like painful traumatic events and heal from them. Uh, they also uh, use an e-meter machine, which is a thing that they just put their hands on, and a little needle tells them something, and they try to pass this as like real science. Where can and- we get one of those machines? You have to probably be a Scientologist. <laughs> um, I'm sure there's some out there. <laughs> and the scientific community like completely was like, no, this is bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> it's a cult, right? It's absolutely a cult. But also like they members um are told to like not socialize with non-members or people who like refute their religion, like people who aren't willing to convert. And they have a name from, but they're people like are they're, like shunned basically. It's a name that they're basically their bad influences, and you have to stay away from them. Um, um, and that can be like your parents and your friends, and you have to like never talk to them again. Ugh. <laughs> uh, again, you should watch. Is it the Leah Remini documentary about Scientology? Yeah. Oh. Huh. I don't. Know, that's not what it's called. Hold on. No, probably not. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Leah Remini documentary about Scientology. What a title. <laughs> uh, Leah. Okay, it's called. Uh, Leah Remini, Scientology and the Aftermath. Wow. Did it mess her up financially? Uh, it's on A&E. The Church of Scientology was extremely critical of Remini and the <laughs> show and established several websites attacking the show, its presenters, and many of the interviewees. So yeah, she basically like interviews other um, former Scientologists. Oh, well, if they're all saying the same thing, then they're on to something. Yeah. And they brought up Tom Cruise a lot, also, by the way. <laughs> well, he seems to be, like, the face of it. Well, that's the thing. is like, why wouldn't they have him as their poster boy? You know? Like, he is by far the most famous Scientologist. Like, he can spread, quote-unquote, the word of Scientology better than anybody else can. Yeah. Surely more than John Travolta. He might be the next most famous Scientologist. Uh, yeah, but people have kind of dismissed John Travolta. <laughs> right. Yeah, so it's a huge scam, and members have to go through several levels of auditing before they even learn about higher levels of, like, information. Uh, the whole Xenu thing, that's, like, their creation story and all that shit about, like, that we're all aliens. Mm-hmm. All of that was mostly unknown until recently because, pe- like, the highest people who had paid upwards of hundreds of thousands of dollars to get this information had left the church and just kind of, like... Like, hey, listen to this bullshit. Yeah. 
And you have to just, like sign NDAs and everything. Oh, we we got this information for free. I feel privileged. Well, yeah. You mean like in our religion, like in a regular religion, or like no, like you mean we us received right now. this information? Oh yeah, for yeah. Free. You can look all this up. Well, now, I mean, right? also yeah, in our religion, we received the information. They're happy to give the information. Yeah, right. They don't charge you. Like they ask for money, and you're sometimes it's, they kind of strong arm you. But it's optional. Yeah, yeah. There's so much to like really learn about Scientologists and exactly how bad of a cult it is, and how much illegal shit they probably have done. Under the radar, including maybe human trafficking. Maybe. Maybe even murders. We don't know. Who would they kill? Apparently, like... I thought they are good people. No, but apparently... They're the best. Right? Yeah, they're the best people. When they see a situation... They help. They're 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 the only only ones who can help. (laughs) Because they make conditions better. No, apparently, like, David Miscavige's wife went missing. Oh. That was a whole thing. I don't know. I don't remember very well, but I'm sure that's a whole case. So, look, you should probably look more into this yourself because that was a very quick overview of this fucking cult. Um, However, back to Tom Cruise, right? Like we said, clearly the poster boy here. Do you think, is he personally influencing, are people joining the Church of Scientology because of Tom Cruise? Probably. Yeah. For like their they recruitment videos. They use him in the recruitment They video. use him and they're like playing the Mission Impossible music and they're like, Tom Cruise is blah, blah, blah. And at the end of the day, they're like, he's responsible for like, they said like one billion something. And I'm like, I don't know what that means. There's only seven billion people on earth. But like, I guess. Maybe informing one I guess, billion people about. I guess maybe one billion people on earth are aware of Tom Cruise. Probably more than that, I honestly. Could, I could buy that. Maybe. <laughs> so, like, I guess that counts for something because he is very outspoken. <sighs> Would you consider that a net evil, <laughs> I guess? Uh, maybe by association. I don't know because I don't know what Tom Cruise's intentions are. <laughs> he seems to have good intentions. Look, I'm not. But he's and, like, he also seems like he's indoctrinated. Oh, 100%. And he's fucking crazy. That's the other thing. But, like, where do you draw the line with Tom Cruise? Like, if you are a movie producer and you're like, all right. I got this movie. Tom Cruise is in the running. We can probably get him. At what point do you go, I don't want his fucking bullshit on my movie set? Uh, when he starts making the crew feel uncomfortable. <laughs> so there was um like a year or so ago on the set of like one of the Mission Impossible movies, I think it was. Didn't he freak out about COVID? Yeah, like he screamed at somebody. Yeah. Like he went all out and he screamed at everybody. I think there was a recording of it. I, think I remember hearing it. it. Thing is, is like, I don't think he was wrong. No, I think the way he... Uh... <laughs> Went about it was a little sure. wrong. But, I mean, he's also, well, for one, he's a movie producer. And, and two, yeah. like, this is around the time when, like, movies were getting shut down all the time because they would find a COVID case. Yeah. And they would have to and shut down production. And he didn't want that to happen. So and, right. He had a little bit of an extreme reaction. <laughs> he's right, but he's wrong. Sure. Because that he was what he was mostly screaming about. He's like, this. these are people's jobs that you're fucking with by not, like, going with the protocols. Right. And, like, if you mess up. People aren't going to get paid. I think that's movie star Tom Cruise. I think that was Tom Cruise, the actor, talking. The not, smart one. Not the Scientologist. Yeah, definitely. Maybe this is, these are the conditions he's talking about. He's improving. He's improving COVID conditions, <laughs> All conditions. on a movie set. Look, it's this is tough because it, you cannot put a quantifiable number to like who he's influenced and what he's done in the church and like what that does on what a larger ramifications scale. it's had. And, yeah. yeah. However, there is no way that he hasn't brought in people, like hordes of people, through his celebrity right. into this dangerous Well, cult. yeah, that's what they use him for. Yeah. And I don't know how 
on the inside he is on this because he could just be like a figurehead that they're using to meet their goal. I mean, he's equally manipulated. No, uh, yeah, you know. Yeah. I wonder how like how it, in he was on all of this. Like, I mean, he sued them, but like how in he is on them setting him up with like the perfect wife for Tom Cruise. You know. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, uh, that whole thing is like icky because even if you're, I don't, like it doesn't matter how famous you are and how much money you have like you could be royalty are you would you be okay with being like all right here's what you're gonna do go find me a wife i trust the church to do to find me the perfect person go find them. go, go do go, it go audition hundreds of people like fucking anakin skywalker <laughs> <laughs> it's like they're trying to find somebody to play the role yeah <laughs> it's weird i don't like it <laughs> i don't know man something about this whole thing is creepy okay so where do we land here keep or cancel tom cruise as a person because again how much of this is him being understandably indoctrinated and brainwashed right but also how much of it is very successful cult how much of it is also just him being um complicit in all the goings on that's happening with this as well well yeah like we don't know no like i guess we don't again oh yeah and someone in the chat's telling me that david miscavige uh his wife hasn't been seen in over 10 years leah tried to get a missing persons case open but they wouldn't that's fucking creepy. so that's what i was talking about earlier is that yeah. maybe there's a murder in here somewhere about the leader of the church's wife right so she's probably dead or oh, locked up. Dead in a ditch somewhere. Yeah. yeah. For sure. Point is, yeah, how how complicit is he? Like, how involved is he? Can we say without a shadow of a doubt, no, fuck you. <laughs> like, Yeah, I, I'm i going to cancel Tom Cruise, the person. Yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> like, it's not. We've canceled. We've canceled went, people for less. Way less. Like, <laughs> way less. Like, oh, this guy, he rubs me the wrong way. Fuck, I'm canceling him, you know? So this is like legitimate. And again, yeah, he is complicit in this cult that has harmed hundreds of people to thousands, probably. And it's a pyramid scheme. <laughs> it's it's nonsense. Oh, oh, the other day. And by the other day, I mean, yesterday we I was at the far I was at the farmer's market. Okay. And so I see two guys approaching me and they're kind of semi well dressed and they're passing on pamphlets. I just assume they're they're J dubs, they're Jehovah's Witnesses. Right. Or Mormon not Mormons, because Mormons have a very recognizable outfit. Uh and they're just passing on like, you know, hey, join join this or whatever. And I'm like Join so, Scientology. Yeah. So I'm being very polite and I grab the pamphlet just and I'm like, Okay, thank you. And I looked at it and I very loudly went, Scientology <laughs> What? <laughs> I've never met Scientologists in the wild. And here they are passing out pamphlets like people aren't very acutely aware of what this is now. Uh, can I meet Tom? Because <laughs> <laughs> before is like, you know, people, It's I feel like it's more recent than like everyone's perfectly aware of what this is now. And I'm like, I turned around like, I cannot believe they've got the balls like. <laughs> Just passing on pamphlets like they're just any regular church, right? Uh, and so I was throwing it away, and, and the people behind me were like, same thing. They were just like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, are you guys serious right now? We we later ran into them again. They were like, like, I can't I'm... afford this. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's the least of my concerns, but yeah. 
Uh, we later ran to them again. I mean, I didn't say anything, but they were talking to someone. I'm like, God, I just, I would love to know like what their sales pitch is. And not only not the sales pitch so much because they're going to say the same bullshit anybody in a church would say, right? Like, oh, like, you know, the, the truth and blah, blah, blah. The and, truth and we want to help you. And, and we're an or, we're a very friendly organization. And we can help you in all sorts of ways. We're going to all your conditions. All the conditions. We're going to improve all the conditions. And <laughs> But like, what are they, because they have to have responses locked and loaded to like, hey, what about this shit? What about this? Like, yeah. What about Tom Cruise? What about David Miscavige and all this shit? What about all that shit Leah Remini said? I wonder what these two fucks on the street... What about that missing person case that wouldn't be opened? Like, what would they say to all that? Talk to me about Xenu. Like, oh, no, we don't no, actually... We're not, we actually don't know about that yet because we're not high enough of a tier. <laughs> Even though I went online and I read it... And there's a I'm South a Park little... episode about it. <laughs> oh, yeah, I forgot about the South Park episode. Check out the South Park episode. It's great. I will find what episode that is and link whatever episode that is uh, below because it's Ugh. hilarious. So anyway, yeah, I, I sort of met two Scientologists, or at least I saw them on the street. Were they friendly? <laughs> yeah, I, I just grabbed the pamphlet, said thank you, and kept walking. Thanks. I mean, could you imagine if they weren't? Like, why would they send those two guys? <laughs> <laughs> to strong-arm people into yeah. joining. <laughs> just screaming. I'm like Tom screaming at Matt Lauer. No, Matt, No. Here's what you don't understand. You need to be more responsible <laughs> in your knowledge. <laughs> so, yeah, cancel. Yeah. Okay, so we've kept one Tom Cruise. We've canceled the other. The actor is great. The person kind of sucks. Overall, I guess it would be the responsible thing would, would be to say cancel overall Tom Cruise. Like, I mean, yeah, for the safety like, of... Like, no more. For like, the safety of our children. Like, shut down the Church of Scientology. They're out of celebrities, I think, after this, so... Uh, they still got Travolta. Oh, he's done. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, okay, I guess that's it. So, moving on. Into the Phantom Zone, this movie, Oblivion 2013, Joe Kowinski, <laughs> Fuck, I keep wanting to say uh, John Krasinski. John Krasinski. <laughs> it's not. Anyway, final thoughts, Into the Phantom Zone, Berto. No, I'm keeping this movie because this was a very pleasant surprise and I really enjoyed it. A lot of fun here, a lot of emotion here a lot of just everything here like it's just all around good and i don't understand the negative reviews yeah i like i understand if they're saying stuff like this movie bit off more than it could chew like it's it's derivative it's whatever but like i don't i don't it I don't stands see on it. its own as a good it movie. really does yeah i'm i'm perfectly fine with it paying homage and borrowing all these elements to make something wholly original because there's nothing out there's a lot of movies that are share similar elements but there's nothing like this like i would recommend this to people oh i forgot to mention moon that's like the other movie that some people might draw did this come out before or after moon similarities after moon i think i think moon's like 2008 or 9 or something like oh, that okay moon's a good movie moon's a good movie but it's completely different it's just it's a completely different movie with the premise that this is a man who is a clone who's on a mission to do a thing yeah. And I know that sounds very similar, but they are, to me, they're completely different movies. Also, like, that's not even a twist. That's the premise of the movie. Yeah. You find out that he's a clone within, like, 15 minutes. Also, the guy that made Moon is the guy that made Warcraft movie. Yeah. Did you uh, like Warcraft? I liked Warcraft. I think... I thought it was okay, but I also don't play the... I, I think it was overall enjoyable. Okay. Um, Duncan Jones? Duncan Jones, yeah. Who it. is the son of... Is he the son of David Bowie? What? I think he was. You're blowing my mind right now. Yeah, he's David Bowie's son. What? I mean, no. look look at his face. 
right, hold on a second. Here's the thing. I it's quite possible I already knew this, but like I just I forget things very easily. <laughs> Son of David Bowie, look at that. Yeah. Because I remember hearing that around the time, where like, people were like, whoa, the Warcraft movie's being directed by David Bowie's son? What the fuck? I was like, but what if he's a good director? And I think he is. <laughs> this is irrelevant to Oblivion, but... Yeah, completely. <laughs> like, on on multiple... <laughs> I'm just saying, Moon's a good movie, and I thought Warcraft was a good movie, too, and they were both made by this guy. So, Or, not this not guy. Not this guy. <laughs> but... Another irrelevant guy. Anyway, <laughs> this is a great film, I think. I think it works on so many levels. Again... It all works harmoniously together to really put you into a great movie, I think. There's not one thing I would change in this film. I can see why it's not everybody's cup of tea. At the same time, I can see why if you give this movie a shot, you would love it. It would absolutely be your cup of tea. Yeah, it's it's got more than enough going for it to stand on its own. Yeah. If anything, watch it for the visual spectacle of this. This is a movie that does visual effects correctly. It does sound design pretty well, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah all around. Production of this is A+. Plus. Yeah. Like, top it's down. It's better than we deserved. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, This is, for our new year of movies, I think this is making a case for top. It's up there. I mean, we've only seen, like, four or five. Yeah. <laughs> and they've it's... mostly been bad. <laughs> yeah. We, we've been on the streak of pretty bad movies lately. Uh, but I think this and Edge of Tomorrow are going there. Oh, and that's the other thing. <laughs> Our little cruisathon, like this is a great double feature. Yep, both Dep- of these movies have been. Watch them in this fantastic. order, by the way. I think watch Edge of Tomorrow first, and then watch this. Yeah, completely different movies, totally different. Just like themes, vibes, pacing. This is a nice kind of slow burn with big surprises, and that's a kind of a really like fast action pace. Yep, and both do a great job at what they set out to do. Yeah, except we had I had problems with the plot at the beginning and the end of that movie the beginning and the end yeah but you loved everything everything in the middle, in the middle is great and this one <laughs> i like wholly i think okay. i think i think all top down i appreciate all of what this movie is yeah like i like i said definitely for the visual spectacle again this movie is 10 years old already at least from the time it was made and it pisses me off and we talked about this i think we were talking about moon knight to see it pisses me off to see bad special effects because you it takes time and money and effort but you can do something that looks amazing and yeah. looks real. This was also a pretty big budget movie, I though. Get, okay, sure, 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 sure. <laughs> it's, it's all fine. <laughs> However, more of this, more stagecraft, more mm-hmm. volumes, more doing stuff in camera, build the big props, make it all happen. It, I mean, it definitely it's worth it because it makes it look good even a decade later. Oh, I forgot to mention, he loves sci-fi, the director, but he really wanted to bring sci-fi into the light because sci-fi had been getting into this kind of trend of it always being dark and murky and that's hiding true. things. Yeah. And, and that's, a complete, that's totally... This is a, this is a very bright very movie. Fair. Also, George Lucas said the same thing, which is why he wanted Hoth to be bright and... Almost blinding. Yeah. He's like, <laughs> space is dark. Let's do white now, you know? So I totally appreciate that. Well, George uh, Lucas also did forests and deserts. That's true. <laughs> he did everything. Um, so definitely check this movie out. It is long forgotten. I, for, I forgot this movie was out yeah, there. Very, it's a very forgotten movie. Uh, more than like uh, Edge of Tomorrow. Edge of Tomorrow, people talk about it because they talk about the title. Yeah. Nobody That's... talks about Oblivion. No. If they're talking about Oblivion, they're talking about the Elder Scrolls video game. Yeah. <laughs> I, can, I even forgot Morgan Freeman was in this movie. That was a surprise for me. So <laughs> it's already long forgotten, but this is a gem. Seek it out, buy it, watch it. This is a good movie. It's a good time. And if you're a Game of Thrones fan, Jamie Lannister's in it. 
Who's he? Is he the um? He's the douchey soldier. Okay, I thought the he looked familiar. Guy. Yeah. yeah, I've seen only a few episodes of Game of Thrones, he, but he, he plays a douchebag in Game of Thrones, also. Yep, that's his type. <laughs> <laughs> so on that note, thank you guys for listening. Thank you for subscribing. Uh, thanks to that piano dude for our musical intro. If you like the show, please leave us a rating and review. If you don't like it, don't do that, but you're probably not listening right now. If you don't like it, you probably didn't make it to the end of the episode. Exactly. Uh, uh, you can leave ratings and reviews on Apple, on Spotify, maybe on some other platforms. Please tell a friend, and if you've told a friend, thank you so much for telling a friend, and maybe tell another friend, tell two friends. Let's uh, let's speed this up, okay? Let's yeah. get this moving. Yeah. Tell everybody. Uh, you can find us on Instagram at Films from the Phantom Zone. You can find us on Twitter if you want to argue with us about our hot takes on Films from PZ. I think Morbius was a good movie. I think it was fine. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good is stretching it. But <laughs> okay, oh, he's backpedaling now. <laughs> I think it's a very acceptable movie. <laughs> you can find us on TikTok at Films from PZ. We've got a bunch of clips on there, a bunch of people calling us names. Uh, all these episodes are available on YouTube if uh, that's how you like consuming your podcasts. Most episodes are there. Um, all these episodes are live streamed on Twitch. Monday nights, 8 o'clock, twitch.tv slash filmsfrompz. Usually we've got a raucous chat, but we are up late tonight and everybody left and went to bed. So <laughs> if you want to support the show, we are offering a second podcast called Where's Mephisto? Where is he? He's got to be around here somewhere. He's everywhere. <laughs> He's behind the scenes. Uh, where we watch streaming TV, Peacemaker, Moon Knight, Obi-Wan Kenobi, it doesn't matter, Star Wars, Marvel, DC, and we're going to look for Mephisto, and when we find him, you'll hear it here first. That's available only on our Patreon, exclusive for our supporters. Much thanks to those who do support us and get the show. And if you want to hang out with us all week, we have a Discord server, uh, link below. We talk. Yeah, we're talk we have a great we community. Chat. We have a good time. We get uh, to know each other. Chatting around on Discord all week long. That's how you can talk to us. And that's about it. We will see you next week with what movie, Birdo? Doctor Strange. I was supposed to say this earlier, but yes, we're watching Doctor Strange from I think nineteen seventy nine or something. something yeah, like not twenty sixteen. Not the new one. Not the good one. An old one you probably never heard of so that's not available to stream anywhere you'd have to buy it i we, think it's on amazon the to dvd rent. is to do yeah, right for, for less than ten dollars so oh yeah i think about it for like six or something like that yeah it's incredibly cheap and you depending on where you live it could be two-day shipping yeah so that's <laughs> <laughs> so we're watching that in preparation for doctor strange and the multiverse of madness so uh maybe i'll maybe i'll, I'll put this back up earlier so people know that oh, before true. i get into the outro and also uh maybe that doctor strange will show up and <laughs> god could you imagine that'd be fucking hilarious that'd be a deep cut yeah but we'll be like yeah what if uh what's his name red brown shows up as captain america that'd be fucking hilarious. i'd actually be totally on board he was very endearing. If he had like a half second, like still shot, and just like yeah, I'm here, then I'd be like, that's <laughs> with my fine. Plastic shield. Yeah. If we get any more screen time with him, I'd be like, no. <laughs> but anyway, uh, guys, so that's it for us. Thank you again, and goodbye. We'll see you next week. Bye. <laughs>